I like the um, I like heavy metal. down again yeah uh for an intro just the two of us just the two of us we can make it if we try ben is off uh doing some stuff that he's got to get done uh busy lad so yeah we have just hopped off of an interview um of today's interview with with aunt lacy um which we'll get to in a mo we the the, the topic that we had earmarked for our intro was today's announcement of England's 33-man squad. We covered that with with Ant. So we'll essentially, all we need to do is slip straight into the interview. Um, bit of housekeeping beforehand. We are going to do, well, the podcast will be out by the time the Europa League final is done, so ignore that. But for the Champions League final on Saturday, we're going to do another kind of in-game Q&A over on Instagram. So get on there. You can ask all three of us. It'll be me, Ben. Um and pals we're all going to be sat sort of monitoring the instagram we'll answer all your questions during the game whilst we sit and watch maybe ngolo kante lift the trophy or um, kevin or kevin de bruyne one of the two um pals intro our guest for today right today we have ant lacy who is the he's the merch guy touring merch guy for sleeps and during the pandemic sleeps launched the campaign for their new record um, the sleep society and in turn launched something called the Sleep Society on Patreon. It's quite revolutionary in the way to, to go about running a band in 2021. It's very community-based. It's very fan-facing. You know, as much as we talked to Bees last week about fan-facing and, you know, fan-led things. This is Fan power. Fan power. Yeah. This is very much the... It's one of the prime examples of how to do it right, I think. Um, and Ants, in, in this time, Ants took on a full-time job doing a lot of the merch and a lot of the send outs from the patreon um great guy very very passionate chelsea fan loves football um just a great just a great lad and and got a lot to talk about a lot of a lot of good values and morals about him and in terms of crew members i'm you know i'm a crew member so fucking one of us like that's the way it goes so stoked <laughs> stoked to have him on and it was a it was great wasn't it really enjoyed it Mate, it was one of the best chats we've had on this podcast. So yeah, it was really enjoyable. Um, if you like the chat that we had, if you want to get in contact with us for anything, really, um, if you've got opinions on the England squad, that will be trimmed down on the 1st of June. Get at us on socials. On Twitter, we are at Heavy Metal FTBL. On Instagram, we are X Heavy Metal Football X. And then we do have an email address, which we check occasionally. And it is pod.com heavymetalfootball at gmail.com so email in with questions or stories or blah 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 and that kind of does us for today so enjoy the interview here's Aunt Lacey
And you're our first crew member on the pod, so this is a, this is the first for heavy metal football here. One um, of us. One of us. Yeah. <laughs> Pals has been gagging to get someone from crew on, so. Oh, it's an absolute well. pleasure, boys. Good. Um, so, well, I mean, let's let's kick it off. So, Sleep Society. Yeah. While she sleeps, are like now a fully independent, like self-managed, self-released, self-produced kind of just like a golden example of how to run a band in in 2021 like what does that mean to you <laughs> dude it's it's crazy because for me like growing up like music was always about community like everything that i've ever loved about music is based around the community um i was like i was a massive indie kid growing up like i was fully into it like top shot like winkle pickers a lot but it was <laughs> it, it was always the community that i loved and that is now something that is a sustainable option you know like bands talk about being diy and stuff like that which is which is cool every diy is a very moldable thing it means different things to different people but for it to be a sustainable model for the time being for sleeps is great and it's all based around the community which means more to me personally and connects with me more personally than any other thing I've ever done in music before. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. Well, I mean, like, I mean, that's just not perfectly, to be honest. I, I feel like sleeps are one of those bands when I was growing up and just seeing, they were one of my favorite bands when I was growing up. I remember when I saw crows for the first time and I was like, this band is like, what is this? This is so good. Yeah. And then I remember they, they ended up getting that slot on the parkway show in Sheffield I remember seeing this video of Loz being like, or somebody, or it was like, maybe like Sav or somebody saying, like, he's not even got a phone and he's playing like a show with Parkway. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. that's so relevant, but it was just funny at the time. <laughs> I think these just lads from Yorkshire that have, that have got nothing and are building something are just going out there and playing big shit. But I mean, over the years, obviously, they've been f- through a bunch of labels and, and a bunch of different setups and management and and sort of like found their calling now with this Patreon model. So, you know, Patreon's obviously this viable option to run as like a small time. It's like, a you know, most bands kind of run it as a bit of a small exclusive fan club, but like Sleeps have, Sleeps have just blown it up like a massive balloon and fucking flying it high. Like this is their entire model now. And so much so that this is your full-time job now, right? Yeah. So like I, during the pandemic, I, obviously didn't have no work i mean it it goes for all of us pretty much across any kind of creative industry that we all had no work i come back from a tour in germany the same time that them guys come back from america and we was all like what now and i remember matt telling me about the fact that they were going to do the patreon and me being like oh that's that's a great idea like on paper that's a great idea um and long story short i went and got a job in a call center um because it's the only place that would employ me having face tattoos um and Fucking i bullshit that i know they can't even see your face dude it was mental i got turned down yeah. from a night job stacking shelves in audi because i have a face tattoo like when was the last time you was in audi at fucking night like what the hell mate i that's, used to work in as thinking man nights and people had face tattoos it's insane yeah I, I mean i've been lucky like it's never really affected me up until a global pandemic but that that <laughs> kind of is what that is um yeah. but i, I went and did mask for it oh <laughs> uh, yeah i mean yeah. looking back on it now I'm, I'm more sorted now than i was at the beginning of the pandemic but, yeah right <laughs> um i went and did my first day and i absolutely hated it 
with a passion and I walked out and I was like, oh, I need to just go and see the boys. So it was the night that they were dropping Sleep Society and they did the whole press conference video build up. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that, that they released it. I did. I watched it live as it was going like, oh my God, this is wild. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like there was, they were doing all that build up. So I just went down to hang out at a warehouse and we just watched the reception, the initial reception just be massive like none of us had in mind these the reception that we had or yeah no one had that in mind and the next day i went back to work just hated it again left went back to the warehouse and as i got there matt was like oh i'm really glad you turned up actually man like i know that you've just taken this job but we've got a job for you like a little bit of a part-time job and i literally was like right i'm in fuck that job i don't even know what this job is that you're offering me right now but fuck that job i'm in like i don't need to be working in a call center for jd i need to be working with you boys and like being down here um and yes yeah, turned into a full-time thing for me and two other crew members that usually do the touring work um me our front of house guy and our videographer are now full-time employed by the band to look after behind the scenes stuff for the patreon hey and but that um, that sorry liam go on no, I was just going to quickly, uh, if you, uh, this might be a completely different question. I don't know, pal. Mm. So if, if it is, we'll do your one first and then do mine maybe. But for for people that don't know what the Patreon model is for, for, for Sleep Society, like, can you just maybe explain it a little bit, pal? What were you going to ask? Because that might be taking us completely no, <laughs> away no, no, that, from... That, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. So yeah, for anyone that doesn't kind of know, because there will be people listening to this that aren't as familiar with how the model works, but what can you just give like a brief explanation of, of what it is and what, what people get out of it? Yeah, man, for sure. So there are four tiers that you can sign up for um you pay a monthly subscription and you get access to a whole database full of useful information or what we deem as useful information others may not Mm. but we deem it as useful information (laughs) um through all of our experience uh, mainly like the band put all their like there's guitar run-throughs and stuff like that um the basic tier you sign up and you get like a digital welcome pack and you get access to um all this like database of guitar run-throughs bass run-throughs drum run-throughs uh q a's with a band um chances to get access to stuff before other people um we generally release information up there we we've released information on there like a week before we've released it to anyone else um you get access to all kinds of different stuff and there's there's four tiers and as the tiers go up, the benefits obviously get better. Um, mm-hmm. Leading up to the top tier, you get like in your subscription, once a year you'll get guest list to any show on any tour that we're doing. You get um, access to come to meet and greets um, and like sound checks and stuff. And you, you get uh, one-to-one uh zoom calls with a band we've done zoom calls with the whole tier we've done zoom calls with like two or three people you know just like it it takes away any boundary between a band and a fan and just makes it a little bit cooler and again makes it more community minded that these that because these people are essentially paying our wages and paying the band's wages the band will repay them by hanging out on on zoom and once once the pandemic kind of goes away a little bit or we're able to we're going to do hangouts in the warehouse where kids can come down and they can speak to the band about stuff and they can speak to us crew about stuff like pals i'm sure you'll agree like in doing crew work there's a little bit of gatekeeping with it that yeah 
you know, just because we've learned our our craft or our side of the industry that other people shouldn't know. But I don't agree with that. I hate that with more than anything. I hate that. So like, I want if a kid comes down and says, "Oh, I really want to be a merch guy," I'm gonna sit down with him for an hour and go through everything. You know, like yeah, and that's it, that's part of it all. That's such a great attitude to have. We had that's that's really similar to what we we had Jordan uh, Hughes on. Yeah a few episodes ago now and he had a very similar attitude about sort of touring photographers in terms of that it does feel very gatekept but that's not the way it should be and it's it's really good to hear that kind of attitude yeah and honest reverberate around you know from different voices around this podcast it's great yeah and the whole like the whole gatekeeping around anything in this industry is it blows my mind like when i was younger trying to trying to make it it just wasn't no one would pay me any attention and it was it was just awful yeah so with the gatekeeping with the crew with the crew stuff um yeah i feel like the majority of crew members like me and you i feel like you know me, me you people like marlon english who's a big merch guy i feel like we're all relatively like you know sort of like come up and and got our lucky breaks with it and held on to it which in and we've obviously worked hard to get where we are in terms of crew level and, and that's something that i think that Sometimes when I meet crew members that work for, I'm not slating all crew members that work for bigger bands, but sometimes when you get into the, that bigger like arena touring style outfits, like those jobs are so toxic that it just kind of rips out the whole heart of what it actually is to be a crew member. And I feel like you, you and the way that Sleeps have set this up is the purest embodiment of what that is like you know you saying a kid coming down and you explaining them how to how to be a merch guy how to do this how to get into it like they're gonna value that and really strive to want to be like oh i want to be like that guy like you know who wants to who thinks they want to grow up to be a drum tech or a, a merch guy like not i feel like not many kids do so yeah i don't really know if that was even a question but i just like the sentiment of what you said so i just wanted to embellish it a little bit um, well, i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um so this um i speaking to matt recently um a little bit because obviously neck deep we store our gear at the sleeps warehouse so we've been lucky enough to be around around the sleeps boys and see what they've been doing and especially from when they got it to building it up to where it is now it's incredible um matt sort of mentioned to me that a big decision before the record was released is they chose for the physicals to be distributed out of a warehouse that was not recognized by the charts so if they got a number one if they sold them the amount of physicals that would get them a number one that they wouldn't actually receive a number one because it's not out of an, a, a recognized warehouse like was that something around the time of the the record release and seeing the band on a day-to-day -day basis that they were like worried that they were going to get a really high place in I mean, it's quite a ballsy move. I really respect it, but like, how were they around? How were they about that? And when you found out about that, was that just sort of how did you, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a weird thing because I kind of, for me, for the band, for everyone connected with Sleeps, for want of a better way, we kind of we tread lightly around this kind of subject because the charts don't mean anything to us or to the band right now but that's only right now so a lot of a lot of bands and a lot of people you're kind of told like always look forward always look forward always look forward always look to the future but sometimes with when a record comes out or when a record feels right in that moment you have to concentrate on just that record mm. so so we figured out everything to do with distributing and the charts 
So if we distributed through a place through the charts, it's kind of it's kind of faceless, you know, that someone will pack and send the record that doesn't know the record, doesn't know the band, doesn't care about the record, but it counts towards charts. And it's kind of fucked to us that because I would be packing the record and sending it, someone that genuinely is passionately cares about the record, I was there when they wrote the first song to I was there the day that they finished up all the back end of it and was ready to go and I was there for the, when they did the artwork and I, they asked my input on on artwork and on different casings and stuff so why the fact that I'm sending it out does that that not count into charts is, is such a big thing that's such an odd like <clears throat> I mean that's fascinating like I never knew that that was even I, I didn't know that was a thing like when when did the guys realize that that if you chose to sort of distribute the record out of a certain warehouse it doesn't count towards the chart position is that something that's just known within the industry is that something that you that the guys found out along the way i mean i'll be totally honest with you i had no idea that this was a thing i had no idea yeah, okay yeah like uh, it wasn't until matt come to me and said we're doing it this way and i think i feel like matt didn't realize and the band didn't realize until you're kind of told because f- for want of a better way of putting it sometimes when you sign to a label or you get label assistance there's kind of a mold and you just roll with it like this happens and this happens and this happens and the next thing the record's out and your fans are tagging you on Instagram and you don't really know how the fan got the record but the record got to them and it counted towards the charts it's kind of like there's almost a little bit of cloak and dagger about it okay um whereas in this case Matt questions everything as you should do you know the band generally question everything and why is a big question it's a big thing within sleeps why 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 what can we it do it sort of to... goes hand in hand with the ethos of this entire record setup absolutely distribution, patreon so yeah I mean... yeah like and why and uh, questioning everything you should always do it as a band like i believe that you should always in, in life even you should always question stuff like always yeah. always say well why is that the why is that the status quo why is that the case and yeah to like come back to the whole chart thing like we realized that on this release charts didn't really matter and what mattered and what went with the ethos of the record was putting it out ourselves fan face yeah yeah and packing it and the fans know Mm. fans now know that it was me that packed it and they now know that them buying the record gave money to the band that 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 got to employ their crew members off during a pandemic and you know these fans paid my rent and i'm very aware of that do you know what i mean like they paid my yeah. rent for the past six months. They they helped the boys keep the warehouse open. They and all by buying the record, and it, like it benefited us more in that way. And I just think that's in its most organic form. That's DIY, and it's called it. It, it was on such a large scale. I mean, I, I cut my hands to shreds packing records for hours and hours and hours, <laughs> and posting records worldwide sticking labels on dude i smelt that glue for like three four days after but <laughs> it it was an amazing experience and it's such a learning curve for everyone involved like it was it was amazing and i'm i am for my part i am so proud of sleep society like you will always hear band members say i am so proud of this record because of what i wrote because of this because of that but sleep society means so much to me because of the amount of faith the boys gave me in getting it out and for my part in packing and sending every single physical that went out like i'm so so proud of that i think it's the i think it i mean it's quite a statement to say this but i think it might be the first of a kind in a model that we've not seen yet and i don't think it's possible for every single band because i don't think every single band has that 
I mean, not not to say every single band you know doesn't have the sleeps ethos, but they've built no. something over a long period of time that has given them the platform to do so. But they yeah. didn't get there in a year. They've been no. a band for they've been mates since they were young lads. And I think the cherry on the cake with all this stuff, especially at this point, is when I turn Radio One on in the morning in the kitchen and hear sleeps at eleven a.m. I'm like, yeah, fucking right. Yeah, like, that's sick. That's exa- and Jack Saunders <laughs> recognizing it and like yeah. them being put up to be you know ready one B list and then it that's amazing and and I think that is the true success of this record is that they they've basically said fuck the system and the system has gone now nah, we want you we need you yeah yeah and which is perfect exposing holes and then being embraced by the system is yeah is a cool thing it's a cool thing and mm. another cool thing like you said sleeps have been a band for a long time and so some of our friends have been a band in bands for a long time like we toured with architects a bunch of times them guys have been a band forever and obviously being in sheffield we know where to bring me guys like they've been a band forever and there's kids out there that are now picking up guitars that are inspired by the likes of architects sleeps bring me bands like that that realize that it don't happen overnight and to be in a big band you have to you have to work hard at it and to to own your craft you have to work hard at it but they also learn that the same way that sleeps learn it you got you do fail along the way you do stumble you do fall but it's how you pick yourself up it's how you dust yourself off it's how you engage with your fans it's how you're honest with your band that you know oh we messed up on this but we know not to do it again going forward like there's kids out there learning that structure and i think that's that to me is the most important part around all of this fucking right Fucking right. <laughs> hey, man. They seem like Sleep seem to be a band that find these little cracks and crevices in the system and just be able to like kind of flourish in them. And I, I think that while she sleeps well, like one of the first bands, maybe one of the, well, maybe the first band that I knew of anyway, who put real effort into becoming a brand as well as a band, like putting yeah. together these cool little capsules of high quality, like wearable merchandise that looks more like streetwear than brand merch, yeah. uh, than band merch, sorry. And since like they seem to be one of the first bands that kind of got that since bands can't rely on music sales or streaming to get paid properly they had to go out of their way to find like a new and creative method to make playing in a band a full-time job so i guess one thing that i kind of wanted to ask about the band is that did they actually set out to be different or is it just like a kind of a coincidence that they just kind of found it along the way or is that kind of their ethos like we need to do this if we want to make this kind of a full-time thing yeah they they've always known for them, there's never been a plan B. It sleeps or bust. Right. So when they realise, like you said early on, they realised that you know streaming, streaming ain't going to pay your bills. What's going to pay mm-hmm. your bills is selling a load of t-shirts to a load of kids that are going to go out there and, and show your brand off. So they, like you said, they they realise that early on. They turn turn out products that they wear themselves from other brands into band merch which i think is always cool like they're always striving for better with everything that they do merch wise and um i don't think that it comes out of being purposely different i think it comes out of striving to keep the bills paid to keep the band alive to keep the band on the road to keep us guys paid and fed and looked after do you know i mean it comes from this desire of sleeps or bust that's it like (laughs) it seems to work i mean like i say like if every every record seems to go from strength to strength i mean this just this this sort of new record just seems to be it's obviously the new way that they've put it together is sort of all the patron money the fans have paid for this record it's just yeah. a continuation of them 
building on being this kind of different well they are they're just just a, just a different band to compare to what's around like the only other band i can think of that do sort of great merch capsules like this is grayscale who who make sort of one-off pieces and stuff so there's very little there's very few bands in the industry that sort of go about things the way that while she sleeps do which is this is where it's really fucking cool like if yeah. i'm being completely honest so and that it also yeah, it comes from a place of hard graft as well like we're in the warehouse nine nine till i'd love to say nine till five every day but it's not it's nine till six it's nine till seven it's mm. it's we'll get home and there'll be stuff going on in the whatsapp group and then there's stuff going on in their whatsapp group and i'll come in at 9 a.m and matt's like right we're doing x y and z like i'm sure the band never switch off and i re- that's another thing that i massively respect about them because it's easy enough to it's hard enough to make a band a nine to five sustainable job but it would also be easy to just switch off and be like right i'm at home now but they don't they're like what about this idea what about doing this like let's try and do this and then i'll get a call at like 10 o'clock at night being like yo let's go and do this and i'm like what just constant constant stream of work and never switching off so what does your role entail exactly with the with the, you don't have to give away all your secrets because they no, no. want that they have to pay the patron man so they have to <laughs> go and pay the the while she sleeps patron but just for just for people that might be interested in in getting into your area of work like what is it that you do? Have you got any, you know, kind of tips of, uh, you know, you could, you could try this, try that if you want to kind of get into the line of work? Yeah, for sure. So, like, initially, first and foremost, on tour, I'm the merch guy. That is me, like, behind the merch, they're slinging the T-shirts. That's what I do. That's what I love. That's what I'm very good at. Without, you know, blowing my own trumpet, I know that that's... Mate, blow your own trumpet. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's what this podcast is for. <laughs> that, there is There is very little things in this world that I am fantastic at. Fortunately for me, selling merch, talking to people and hanging out has always been something that I've had come fairly easy. Um, so that's that's my little, that's my area. Um, within the Patreon, when you sign up to certain tiers, tier two, three and four, you will get a welcome pack. Um, and as the tiers go up, the welcome packs get bigger. Um, in tier two, you get like a certificate that's hand stamped um with like a a membership card and some stickers and then the next tier you get a back patch with a a print in it and then the top tier you get a load of other stuff including t-shirts and stuff my job is to build the packs and make sure that they arrive to everyone's doorstep um so once a week i'll be like i'll be packing envelopes and stuff um and making and like doing all the stamping making sure that the certificates look good um and then sending them around the world and that's my that's my main role within that um but aside from that i end up doing loads of other stuff um generally around the warehouse i like i I know pretty much where everything is in the warehouse at this point so i'm the general warehouse goblin i guess that looks after everything (laughs) (laughs) um because i spent all winter in the in the warehouse just like cleaning tidying making sure everything goes goes into its right place um we from time to time we'll do a thing called the sleeps vault it's where we clear out all our old merch for super cheap i look after all of that i make sure that it all goes online i make sure it all goes out and gets posted there's there's so many different like things that i'll do like one week i'll go in and only be doing doing envelopes the next day the next week i could go in and i'll be assistant on three videos assistant on a a a shoot for merch do you know what i mean like it just it's just constantly evolving um and with regards to advice for like people that want to get into it it's it's kind of really cheesy to say but just go and speak to bands 
because that's how like that's how I started. I met Sleeps through working for a different band, and that's just how I got. I, it all started from going to shows and speaking to friends that were in bands, making friends with bands, and just getting comfortable with being in the scene. Um, and as as pals, I'm sure you know, like you just make friends, and and it just starts. The ball just starts rolling, like yeah. Um, and just find what you enjoy doing, because ultimately on tour, if you don't enjoy what you're doing tour is shit <laughs> like <laughs> it, it, it's a, such a double-edged sword like it's the best thing and the worst thing because if you if you enjoy what you do you never really work a day in your life and being under underslept and jumping airplane to airplane and bus to bus and all of that is is the biggest adventure in the world with your best friends it's fantastic but if you, you know, hate- I've, i had more fun i've had more fun being a crew member than i had in a band and yeah yeah i can it, believe that it was like being in the being in a band and doing the grind and like you going away and coming back and thinking like you, we've got to do the next one because we've got to keep going. But like, I mean, I guess you know, as a crew member, of course, you, you're gonna get paid and like you've got a, yeah. you've got your day rate and it's like you're sort of taken care of along the way. But it's fucking hard work, and I think I think that's the point where like you say exactly if if you enjoy it, you don't work a day in your life. And the minute I became a crew member. I haven't worked a minute since. I think we could probably all say that if we enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. Mate, should we should we talk about why we're here? Should yeah, we talk about football? That's yeah. The exact reason that we're here. Yeah. I, can, I can talk more about football than I can about the Sleep Society, and I can talk oh. a lot about Sleep Society. So. <laughs> well, um, let's crack on. Chelsea. So, league's done. Um little last day last day jitters where it looked like Leicester were going to pull it pull it out from underneath you for a minute but Ugh. somehow shit out your way to fourth <laughs> how, how do you think the season went overall it it's such a cliche thing to say but this this season really has been a roller coaster as like a a die hard nearly 30 year old Chelsea fan because obviously I was there when we were shit as well so um this this season's been mad because I am passionately I think I might actually be in love with Frank Lampard <laughs> like I, it, the obsession actually stresses out my girlfriend um, because I, I, I passionately love that man my sausage dog is named after him um, <laughs> that's come from that comes from his playing days obviously then <laughs> it, I mean it does but it also from his managerial time man like the guy could do no, no wrong in my eyes like <laughs> he, he could make the worst squad choice um and still would be the best thing ever to me but yeah when he got sacked that really sucked from like obviously there's so much emotional investment in the fact that Frank Lampard is there that and to watch him bring through the youth that he did and watch him flourish at times and absolutely bomb at times was just constant stress um and I'll be honest, I still haven't warmed to Tuchel yet be, for the for the straight fact that he's not Frank Lampard. Um, <laughs> really, <laughs> honestly, like the guy is a it, Tuchel's a, a fantastic manager. He's done fantastic things at, at the club. Um, he turned us around. He made our defense solid. He made players actually seem like they they care. But just because he's not Lampard, he's not the best thing ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, fourth was. Uh, higher than I expected 
it was it's punching in my opinion like for where we were at the beginning of the season versus the end I think we've done well um the FA Cup was a nice touch to get to the final it's just a shame that we didn't turn up on the day um but again it's a cup final it's annoying that we didn't win it but it's good experience for a lot of our younger younger kids going forward you know that that motivation of losing something, it the pain and the the annoyance can motivate you going forward, and in in your formative years can be just as important as winning it. Um, and Champions League final as well. Um, we're going to get absolutely slaughtered by City, but <laughs> it's exciting to be there. We I didn't didn't think that we would get past Atletico, so to be here is a fantastic point. Mate, the the second game against well, the first game against Real Madrid, I was I was sat watching and it would just you just looked a level above them. And that I, I don't fucking like Real Madrid. I don't know why I've just got a beer in my bonnet about him. <laughs> I don't like Florentino Perez and I don't like this Galactico bullshit that they think they just buy every world beaker <laughs> to yeah, sh- like fuck off. Do you know what I mean? It's like bring some youth la- bring some players through. Be a real club. Don't just go and buy everything. Like Yeah, I, uh, I hear that. But that that first game was when it was to me it was like Kante is back that he was fucking awesome and then the second game people like Mount and you know again Kante just covering everything I think that podcast that night Guillaume Balaguer said 98% of earth is covered by water and the other 2% is covered by Angolo Kante it's it's ridiculous man like what a player I'm sure he. I'm but sure I he thought... ran around the car park after just for good measure, man. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a warm down. Yeah. <laughs> but that that night, the second night, I felt like Mason Mount really came of age that night. Um, and he's 21. Is he 21? He's 21, isn't he? Yeah. 21, 22, maybe. Like, just really good to see them coming through. But I mean, the start of the season, like Chelsea. They were. It was. They were seen to be a bit dark horses. Like Werner coming in, scoring as many goals as he did in Germany. Havertz sort of being heavily covered. Ziyech. We'd all seen what kind of player he'd been at Ajax. You know, Chilwell having a first full year. And, and going back to the Frank Lampard thing, like it was nice to see him bring all these youth lads through. And I imagine Mason Mount may not be where he is today if Frank Lampard didn't give him that chance. I feel like Samori, as much as he sort of got frozen out a little bit. Again, Milan wouldn't have taken the chance on him if he hadn't have had that that season. I'm a bit hurt about Abraham because I do like him, but you know, whoever buys Abraham this year is getting an absolute bargain. Yeah, I think. No, I matter, think so. no matter who it is that bids the thirty million for him, if he leaves Chelsea, they're getting a bargain. Yeah, and Did I think you... he's got to leave. He's got to leave, man. Like he's been yeah. he's been left out of the England squad, and like you you can see why. And like he. He's a great player, and he is Chelsea's joint top goal scorer this season, which is mental considering he's played about. That's mad. Yeah, him and Werner, which is mental considering Abraham's played about thirty seconds under Tuchel. Like he's still our, t- our joint top goal scorer, um, and he he's such a like he's a reliable striker in my eyes. You know, what I mean, like you know, as long as he can, as long as he stays on side, much like Werner, as long as he stays on side, he's gonna <laughs> do something good. Um, he's he's a great player to have up front. I do. I feel for him. I really do feel for him. Yeah. One of the, I think, one of the questions that we like to ask, I guess, when they come on, is like, where, where does the obsession for Chelsea start? Like, how, how old were you when you first got into the club? Like, what was the first shirt you bought? The first name on the back? I like to get a background of the kind of fandom. I think. Yeah. So like, so my dad is Chelsea through and through. Um, oh, okay. And my family are all from London and 
there are various London clubs within my family. There is Palace, there's Tottenham, there is West Ham. Um, but my dad is Chelsea. He kind of broke away from my uncle and my granddad when he was younger in supporting Chelsea because he has a love for players like Kerry Dixon um, and, you know, like Peter Bonetti and all like the, the legends mm, of the, the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, but like the true legends of the game in my eyes. Um, and I just remember always, it was never, it was never forced upon me, but because my dad in my eyes is like the coolest bloke that I've ever met ever, it was always, I need to follow in his footsteps. Um, and the one of the first shirts I ever had was the yellow and blue autoglass, Umbro autoglass. And I, yeah, yeah. I had wires. Solo on the back. I had wires <laughs> I on had the wires. back. <laughs> because I was always like, I always wanted to be a player like that, like the big, kick you the fuck up in the air and take scrappy the ball. yeah like yeah. <laughs> i loved i love that about football that was one thing when i was younger always stuck out for me it was that era of player was will just kick you in the air take the ball and then look at the ref as if you've done nothing wrong and deny all responsibility when you broke the player's leg in four different places like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like it was always it was always chelsea for me i grew up in a i grew up in a small town in in norfolk uh so i was surrounded by norwich fans and a lot of united fans as well because obviously kids of kids of that are kind of era were either united or their local team so yeah i was i was always stuck out like sore thumb as a chelsea fan and it was fun growing up being the shit chelsea that we were and only winning the carling cup once every fucking 20 years so <laughs> so so when Abramovich rolls up in town and Mourinho rolls up in town and you mm -hmm. sign in players like Hernan Crespo and Shevchenko and god who else I mean who else did he sign Makaleli Makaleli oh, Damien Duff Joe Cole Damien Duff yeah Joe Cole was that you how old would you have been at that point I was I was young I was like I, I remember it but I wasn't like super aware of the importance at the time but the one, the one thing that I like remember is how exotic the whole thing felt. Which sounds like mm -hmm. it sounds kind of weird, but hear me out. Like I used to go to the bridge quite a lot with my dad, and it, Chelsea has always been a family club. And people, do, people kind of laugh at it now because we've got all these, all these millions, and we've got all these superstar players. But Chelsea has always been a family club. And when I used to go, you know, there's the old shed wall down at, at the bridge and it, it feels, it felt small and it felt enclosed and the ground's quite small anyway. Um, so to see Abramovich come in and, you know, like you said, Crespo, Crespo was one signing that always st sticks in my head because he just, he had the long hair and he was that generation of like cool players. Yeah, you know he I mean? seems we, like a Serie yeah. stalwart, doesn't uh -huh. he? Absolutely. And he just had, he brought something cool to the game and then, like you said, players like Duff, like, we made some don't get me wrong we signed some absolute turd in in this <laughs> scoop of like of just spending money but we signed some amazing out and out players as well and it just felt the whole thing felt exotic and cool and refreshing because it wasn't happening in the premier league and yeah it was it was it was a very very exciting time to be a chelsea fan what's um like you you you, you did say that stanford bridge is quite a small ground i've only been i've been there once but i i kind of I've not been there for a game. I ran around it as part of a 10k run in Fulham. Love that. <laughs> and, um, Love that. I've never actually, I've never actually been inside, and it did feel like a relatively, like quite a small ground. It felt really like it's quite tight to the pitch, isn't it? So, what's a day out like at Stamford Bridge? Uh, day out is just it's walking down the Fulham Road, which is just 
it's tiny anyway the the road leading from the tube stop to the to the bridge in the first place it's just a tiny road it's like you've got cabbies just shouting left right and center all in proper london accents it's my favorite thing because everyone you can't understand a fucking word that anyone's saying because it's all in rhyming slang <laughs> it's fantastic yeah. um and the, like you said the bridge is it's small it's like i think off the top of my head i think it's forty six thousand. Um, which in Premier League standards that is really small actually when you say that out loud yeah yeah in in Premier League standards it's that's fucking tiny and it mm. is infuriating now because trying to get tickets is impossible but um, yeah like when I was going as a kid it was just it was just exciting because no matter where you sat in the ground you was on top of Zola and Desai and all these fantastic players Viali like all these like kids all these players that I was like I would go and watch Zola and then try and do a back hill on the park in front of all my friends and fall over. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it was always such a great place to go and watch football. I've never been. I'd like to go. Yeah, it's I not mean... so fun as an away fan, but it's a... <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine it is. <laughs> when you're that close to everything, it's not so fun as an yeah. away fan. Yeah. But you did, You mentioned Tuchel mm-hmm. um, already because of, you know, you, you love Frank Lampard, but... It's only been four months. What are your thoughts on the new manager so far? I think he's been... He's got an 18-month contract... Do you reckon like the extension kind of hangs on winning the Champions League final against City? Uh, I'd be surprised. I think his main goal was top four. There's always been top four. Okay. The reason that they that they got rid of Lampard was, in my opinion, over two things: um, the likelihood of not getting top four and Declan Rice. That's the whole the whole issue. They're they're the main. So, what not getting Declan Rice is that? Well, the big the big talk around Chelsea fans and you know all these like these uh, like pundits and linked people is that he wanted Declan Rice and the club were like, no, that's we don't need another CDM. Um, okay, I get you. And he didn't want he wanted to get rid of Jorginho. And I mean, I can't blame him, but. <laughs> that will come onto that in a bit, I'm sure. You're going to get rid of your top scorer, is that? <laughs> yeah, well, with nine got... penalties. Yeah, no. that's and fucking. He's... Just to throw in there before we go move back onto what you were saying. Every time he takes a penalty, I'm like, please just take it, just take it. Stop the shitty little hop. Just stop the, it. The jittery run in the hop. I hate it. Stop it. I with a passion. Just put your foot through the fucking ball. <laughs> Like, <laughs> just stop. Every time you do it, you can... Because every time he gets... The ball goes in, the ball, it literally bounce, It rolls in. It doesn't... Yeah. It, it barely crosses the line. All he's doing is getting lucky that the keeper is not going the right way. And I fucking hate it. From this, like, <laughs> this element of loving old school players, just put the your foot through the fucking ball, break the net, you know, smash the kid that's behind the goal with a fucking ball, whatever. Just don't do this little dance thing because you get caught out man you're not as cool as you think you are um, it's not very premier league is it no and i'm gonna be i'm gonna be honest like he stresses me out as a player so much because he just never passes fucking forward it's always going back he's not a positive player like oh he's so stressful compared to the likes of kovacic and king kante mm. himself he just he's so stressful um but yeah, what what was that? What was my point? We oh, were talking cool. about too cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I like him as a manager. He there's only been two or three points that I can remember where I've been a bit stressed out, and it's where Chelsea will go like two 0 down, and he needs to bring on Giroud. 
like the answer to me is glaringly obvious is to bring on the likes of Giroud or even an Abraham going back to that like someone that when the ball goes up to the front is going to cause a problem and he just doesn't seem to want to do it um and as I know like from other Chelsea fans that I've seen talking on the internet and from Chelsea fans that I know that I speak to they all feel the same kind of thing but you know he come into a hard job don't get me wrong because Lampard is so universally loved and you could see that the players universally loved him and taking on players like Mason Mount and Reese James and all these players that have been brought through the youth by Lampard and by Jody Morris as well like taking on players like that can't be easy and to get them to go straight out and perform the way that they did and to turn the, the key and make the defence watertight was a great transformation and I really do respect that. I just wish he was Frank Lampard. <laughs> Frank, I think that like the thing with Frank Lampard is he did, he obviously got quite a lot of stick for for just, I think it was because he was, he was, he was given the Chelsea job after a half, a half decent season I suppose you'd call it at Derby County yeah which a lot of um, that was based on luck as well like I'm under yeah. no illusions what he did at Derby a lot of that was based on luck and Mason Mount and Mason Mount yeah and so the things that he did successfully at Chelsea was obviously he brought through players like Mount Reese James I guess Christensen kind of made his like he made an impression in the back was it back three I suppose or back two that they played yeah. um and you've got players like some of, the, some of the other younger players that sort of came in and slotted quite in, uh, like Tammy Abraham slotted into the side more through necessity because they had that transfer ban. What were some of the things that you thought Frank Lampard did well as a manager then? Like, what would you want to get out there to people to, like, okay, look, he did do this well whilst he was whilst he was in charge? I mean, first and foremost, he gave us one of the best talents. He brought through one of the best generational talents that not only Chelsea, England have as well now. He gave, mm-hmm. like, Mason Mount is unbelievable like he's one of the few players that I've seen in a long time that gives me goosebumps watching him play because the 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 positions that he picks up the positivity that he has like the way that he holds himself and conducts himself um the way that he is to the fans he just he excites me so much so when you look at some of the players that we have that are are first team starters now Reese James as well um and he also brought people like Silva openly said that the reason that he signed was um, because of Lampard you know there was Havertz. okay, yeah and it, there's Havertz who also he called Havertz no. and that was the reason that he signed like he his influence around the club kind of got diminished really which is sad because he did he did bring in some important things um, and he he is obviously universally loved I can see why fans of clubs that aren't Chelsea kind of like yeah but you know love doesn't caring and love doesn't do it I just wish that if he was given more time that likes of Ollie and how the fucking hell Arteta is still in a job <laughs> do you know what I mean like their clubs back yeah. them and I'm sure that if Lampard was backed we'd be having this conversation and I'd be saying yeah it's annoying that we finished 8th this season but we've got Lampard and things are going to turn around do you know what I mean I'm under no illusions that we would have done better in any way but yeah, it's frustrating, I guess. But I like how honest he, he was oh, in, in press conferences. Like, I sometimes I don't think you like some Premier League managers get their back up about the smallest thing and turn it into probably to just get through a press conference so they don't have to actually answer the question. Which I think half the questions asked in press conferences are fucking stupid anyway because the answer's in the question. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> with Lampard, you know, 
we all watched Lampard growing up and it was to the, you know to see this wonderful player that was one of the best goal scoring midfielders that the Premier League's ever seen to be this manager and then to just he, him just be so honest about everything and speak really well it, it, I, I like that about him I will say though it was it was that Leicester game you know I think he got sacked like a week after that today yeah Leicester yeah. beat him I think that that was where the cracks really started to show for me and it was like I think it was like you you sort of maybe need to go and do a job in the championship again for a few years because he obviously has a capacity to be a good coach. Um, maybe it was just a little too much too soon, but I mean he did he did well in that first year. It was a shame it fell apart, but yeah. he was blessed with being sort of drafted into such a like a top club that love him. Yeah, but at the same time he is underneath the chairman with quite a happy trigger finger. It's a yeah. poison chalice, that- isn't it? Yeah, so it, unlike Oli, who's obviously uh, like he's he's landed in this in in the hot seat at Old Trafford, surrounded by well, there's no fans in the stadiums really at the moment, but like seventy thousand people that love him, with the full support of the board because they don't feel they need to chop and change the manager every you know every season or whatever like like Chelsea seem to do. So it's it's kind of a like he was lucky to get like to be in this job where he's universally loved by the fans but he's stuck underneath this chairman that if you, you know, that's something like even Ancelotti, didn't he win the double and then get fired? Oh, <laughs> so dude, it's like very... the, the, the manager situation at Chelsea is the one thing about the club that fucks me off. Like, <laughs> because <laughs> there's so, we've had so many good managers. We've had Ancelotti, even what, what Conte did was amazing. Really. Um, if you take away the likes of Sarri, we had some great managers. Right. Um, and it just it is stressful to see that and I just thought that I think naively more than in anything my generation of Chelsea fan was like this is going to be different we're going to have Lampard for like 15 years he's going to be our Fergie you know like he's going to he's going to change the club he's going to be amazing and then there's a dodgy result at Leicester where he doesn't quite pull it out of the bag and he's sacked it was a little bit like oh really mm-hmm. Just, uh, just we've got one more question on Chelsea before we move on to England. But just, yeah, yeah. Mourinho. <laughs> How do you feel about Mourinho just in general? I mean, <laughs> he come, he's come in for the first time, won two Premier League titles today, sort of injects this big amount of personality into English football, and then <laughs> gets sacked in quite a funny fashion. That I remember that walk outside the ground where he's just sat and the photographers are following him. And then he goes away. So lost to West Brom, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Lost to West Brom, yeah. and then he just walks out of the yeah. ground. And then obviously he goes away to Real Madrid. He goes away to um, we get. He goes away to Inter Milan. He goes. He wins left, right, and centre. And then he comes back to Chelsea and wins the league again. But obviously, I think I think I remember the boiling point. I remember that game. It was. It might have been against Swansea, where Oscar scored and he turned round and he was just furious at Mourinho. How do you how do you just I don't know why I've just talked about Mourinho for two minutes, but just in general, how do you feel about Mourinho? I think he was a fantastic manager. Um when he came into Chelsea and the whole I am the special one, I was bouncing off the walls. I was like, This guy's fucking incredible, what a character. <laughs> like he he turned That's what we needed at the time. Exactly, and he turned the club around, we got some fantastic sign ins. You know, he gets sacked in spectacular fashion, goes away, wins everything there is to win in in different countries and comes back. But when he come back, it just did not feel right. And I feel like when he come back to Chelsea, it was the start of a downturn for him. 
Um, he went to United and, you know, I mean, going to Spurs after sitting in a press conference and saying, I'll never go to Spurs, you know, all of this. As soon as he went to Spurs, I switched off. I didn't. I don't care about him no more. I'm not asked. He can go to Roma. He could turn Roma into the next, you know, amazing Barcelona. But for me, it would just be, well, okay, I guess, because it's Mourinho. Um, I think his tactics and his philosophies and his ideas are way outdated. And I think that he's just a bit of a boring shit house and does stuff to stay relevant in the media now and not does stuff to stay relevant in football. That's pretty how much... That's a fair assessment. Yeah, that's <laughs> a completely fair assessment. fair assessment, to be fair. Yeah. All right, last question on Chelsea before we move on to England. Um, so, Real Madrid is seeming to be putting out that Hazard is... They're going to listen to offers for him. Yeah. Would you take him back, bear in mind the injury problems and whatever else? Uh, honestly, no, <laughs> I wouldn't. He he was so important for Chelsea, and he was amazing. And you know, games like the Battle of the Bridge, where he won the league for Leicester and stopped Tottenham winning, and all of that. Like he scored some amazing goals, and he was the way that he seemed to play football was unreal. But he left for very good reason. No Chelsea fan will begrudge him leaving, and he always wanted to go to Madrid. He always wanted to play under Zidane. But I think it's it's made him hit of a bit of a brick wall. Um, and I don't think that if he come back to Chelsea, much like we were just saying with Mourinho, I think it just will not push him in the right direction. I think he needs to go to a different country and go and play with some other players um, and get out of that shitty Madrid headspace that is put, forced upon him. Um, no, I wouldn't take him back is the short answer. I'd love to see him go and play somewhere like... Even somewhere like Atletico, where he will be adored, it's somewhere like Juventus, you know, even maybe go to Roma with with Mourinho and see what happens there. Like, I'd love to see him go and do amazing things elsewhere, but I wouldn't have him back at, at the bridge, mainly because of the place that he would take from someone else who is doing good already. Mm. I thought you were going to say no. That's why we included <laughs> the question, just for that point. <laughs> just to clear it up. So now we're moving on to England, yeah? Yeah. Well, okay, so this afternoon, I guess it was around lunchtime, right? So Gareth Southgate announced a 33-man provisional squad. So you've got a provisional squad that will then get whittled down uh, on the 1st of June, I think it is. And I think what we're going to do is we're just going to chat a little bit about it and see if we can maybe talk about what seven players, it's seven players that need to get whittled off the end yeah. and who we think is going to make the cut, who isn't, and maybe some notable omissions from the 33-man squad because there are still players that have completely missed out on the provisional yeah, squad. Yeah, so to name um, a few, Madison's yeah. nowhere near, Dyer nowhere near, which I think is quite right. Yeah, um, thankfully. Uh, Abra- <laughs> Abraham, Patrick Bamford's had a great year. You know, Danny Ings, nowhere near. Shame. Um, who else? Deli Alley. Nowhere near. Yeah, I think Fakayo Tamori is actually really um, unlucky to miss out because he's played really well for Milan this year. Yeah, what um, a, for the second half of the year. What a solid centre back he is as well. I think that's that could be a bit of a problem. Yeah, I think he's well. Hopefully, well, I guess hopefully for you guys anyway that they, that Milan won't pick up the buy option on him and he'll come back to Chelsea. Maybe be actually be able to fit into that backline somewhere. Yeah. But if not. Milan have got one hell of a player there. It Absolutely. is notable um, that Southgate name dropped him in the in the press conference. Oh, he did. Yeah, oh, okay. he said he's had a great year. He's followed him closely at Milan. 
Um, and I so think there's maybe there's some still, still some room there then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a few younger, like some of the, even just if, when you look at like Callum Hudson Odoi and players like that as well that have played for England men's mm. in the past, are just I just think they're just like they're just a generation behind at the moment, and I think Tomori falls into that that like there's just more. It sometimes that experience is more important, and it there are yeah, there's some uncapped players. Like we'll start with some initial thoughts then. Like Anne, have you have you seen the 33 man squad today? Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I, yeah. So I, what are your initial thoughts on it then? I'm generally. I'm excited by it. Um, I, I like posted it on my Instagram straight away, being like, "This is it's sick." On paper, we're <laughs> on paper, we're fantastic. It's exciting, yeah. yeah it's and exciting. it's been a long time. I think it's been since I had the childhood naivety of football. It's been that long since I've looked at an England squad and gone, "Let's fucking go." Let's mm, yeah. fucking <laughs> let get them fucking out there. Get them on the pitch. Let's fucking have it so I can down a load of beers and sing it's coming home because it is. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the initial questions we wrote for this thing before we scrapped it and thought we'd just talk about the squad a bit was how excited are you or are you trying to keep yourself under wraps? I think you've pretty much just answered that question already. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be fucking stood in front of a massive screen. With Mason yeah. Mount scoring in the 89th minute of the final, <laughs> me throwing a beer. beer. Oh, God. I'll be throwing yeah. my beer. I will just be rolling around on the floor. <laughs> Mate, so right, it can't I mean, come soon enough, man. Yeah. Pals, what about you? I think it's one of those things of England. Like, I absolutely back that, that idea up that it let's fucking go. Like, the squad on paper is just. It's, it's quite scary as well and to think we've left some players yeah. out that have had great years and are great talents and are just generally good players that can't get near the squad but it's one of those things that I think I just can't see as as much as you know I saw Gary Neville say yesterday the minimum that England have to get to in this tournament is the final that's the minimum I think that's a big ask with, 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 with teams like Portugal being so strong with teams like Belgium being so strong I don't think I'd be too worried about playing a team like Germany because they seem to have a bit of a talent hole at the minute or a bit of a talent gap and they've had to rely on getting players like Jamal Musiala to play for them instead of playing for England which again says something but I think it's also that thing of like it's fucking England and we know what England yeah, do every now and yeah. then. Oh, dude that's very much in the back of my head dude like yeah yeah what about you Liam there's a bit of this is this is the first England squad that I've looked at <clears throat> since 2006 maybe where I've thought that, I mean this is this is a serious squad I think when you look back at that pe- people always post photos of like the starting 11 from like 2004 2006 where it was you know, like Gary Neville, John Terry, Sol Campbell, Ashley Cole, Beckham, Frank Lampard, Skulls. Steven Gerrard, David Beckham, Rooney, Skulls. On exactly. You've got a, a yeah, a, like a full kind of starting eleven of pure what, like a lot of world class talent con- condensed into there. Unfortunately, managed by someone who couldn't put the pieces in the right place tactically. Now I'm looking at a squad that has players from Borussia Dortmund, Liverpool, Man City. Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, like all of these brilliant coaches. I think exactly. So you've got players in here that have. So you've got Harry Kane, who is one of the best like finishers and strikers in world football. You've got Phil Foden. Um, I'm looking at Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford, Mason Mount, Declan Rice. Some of the the best young players in world football as well. That would, if if the money was there, some of the biggest teams in Europe would be picking those up if they're not already at a big team in Europe. And then 
if you just peep, like you kind of go through the squad with a fine tooth comb, look at players like Calvin Phillips and and, and Declan Rice and James Ward Prowse. These are players that people used to say that Michael Carrick was so underrated, but he was never used properly. I think you've got Gareth Southgate who will use these players who are considered quite, maybe not unfashionable, but underutilized or can do a job well. I think you'll be able to use them properly. So I hope I'm trying to try and not get too excited about this, but I really <laughs> think that this is this is a squad that can go very far. Plus, semi-finals and finals are at home. So yeah, and they <laughs> they like, just announced today that the stadiums will be full too. Hey, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm so I'm so excited now. Yeah, I really am. I think looking at this squad announcement, I know there's going to be there's going to be seven trimmed off, which. I think, in my opinion, it will probably be. Well, let's go. Let's go through it. Let's go through it one by okay. one. So, so goalkeepers. Goalkeepers. Let's start with that. We know yeah. that you're going to take three. You're not going to take four goalkeepers. So, I think we've got a bit of a free hit here where we're actually only cutting six players. So, out of Dean Henderson, Sam Johnston, Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdale. Do you think Aaron Ramsdale's think the one that doesn't go? I think it's Aaron Ramsdale that goes for me. I don't know about you two. Yeah, I agree. He's been relegated. He gets two, cut, that's why I think. He's been yeah. relegated twice in two seasons. Like Twice, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that doesn't spell success really, does yeah, it? Yeah, I don't really want him in goal for the final no. if, they, if the other two pick up injuries. <laughs> I don't really want someone who's been relegated from the Premier League twice in two seasons. No, not particularly. I think we should maybe work backwards from the goalkeepers and start at the top and then go down to midfielders and defenders because there's... Okay. There was something interesting to me about the way that they displayed it, the squad announcement in the forwards and the midfielders. But with the forwards, we see Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Saka listed as forwards. Yeah, I saw that. Right. And we're also we also have this little bit of a conundrum where we're talking about who is the backup striker to Harry Kane, and now whoever the backup striker is to Harry Kane, one of these really talented players is probably going to miss out, which is quite gut wrenching to think that it's a possibility that Jaden Sancho doesn't go to me. Um, no, he'll be on the... He'll be I there. fucking hope so. But I think I mean, it's, kind of, it's kind of clear which ones won't make it, I think, to me. But So then out of, the, out of the forwards, we've got Calvert-Lewin, Foden, Grealish, Greenwood, Kane, Rashford, Saka, Sancho, Sterling, Ollie Watkins. The, the nailed-ons there are Kane, Rashford, Sterling, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Sancho and Foden. Sancho, Sancho Foden, and Foden. Sorry, and, yeah, of course. Yeah. To me, if yeah. Jack Grealish doesn't go, there will be riots. Even, you know, I know and Ant said to me yesterday, <laughs> he'd love to like Grealish, but he doesn't. But uh, right. I, I, No, you know what? I, I don't like Grealish, but I would take him. I would take him. I just yeah. think as a, okay. as a person from when I lived in Birmingham, as a person, he winds everyone up. As a player, oh my mm. God, does he wind everyone up. Like, <laughs> is that not someone that you want to have on your team though that's surely? exactly why he's the play of a smile that is exactly a it shit eating grin he's an absolute <laughs> shit house. and when he's playing for England I'm going to absolutely fucking love him yeah playing playing against <laughs> watching Chelsea play against him fucking hell I can't do mm. it he does my head in but yeah I, I would take him he is nailed on him to me he's one of the absolute gotta be on the plane so I think right. I think then we land at the possibilities of it's probably going to be one of or two of Calvert Lewin, Greenwood, Saka, and Watkins that don't go. I think it's Greenwood. Well, I think it's I think it's actually three. I think it's Greenwood, Saka, and and Watkins don't go from the front. So Calvert front Lewin line. is the nailed on backup striker. I think he's the backup striker. He's 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 quite. Um, he provides a bit of a different option to Harry Kane, and he did have a good season. So I think it's kind of a twofold. Like if you do take Harry Kane out, 
Cavalier's heading ability sort of gives you something else if you do want to float crosses into the box. He's quite a presence up front, so I I, I like Cavalier. I think he goes for me. I I agree. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I I, agree. I think I think you're right, mm-hmm. and I think that's what will happen. There's just something about there's just something about Greenwood. So I I posted my 26 the other day and my final kind of as I was doing the call it came down to Bellingham and Greenwood as who I'd take one of those two and my my thought process was I'd take Jude Bellingham as a different option in midfield rather than Greenwood because if you put Greenwood so let's say you're going to play Greenwood on either the right or the left on the right and the left you've got options of Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Raheem Sterling that's five options for two wing places strong so that's quite a lot of players mm. to kind of that you could if if needs be all some of those could go in midfield some could go out on the wings you've got a lot of flexibility there you don't necessarily need Greenwood whereas I think Bellingham provides something a little bit different if you're going to play him in a two or a three in the midfield so we think Greenwood Saka and Watkins are the ones that are getting cut from that that's just I mean yeah. that's just my opinion but yeah I don't well know. I mean it's you two you know <laughs> together agree on that and again I, I think you're right it hurts me a little bit Greenwood won't go but I think I'm okay with it so I mean got, he might <laughs> so that's four players we've got rid of I've got, I've got to say yeah. on that point though I'm surprised that Saka got picked you know I was I when we we did our Euro picks must have been about a month ago now maybe more than that five more, six yeah. weeks ago and Saka for me at that point six weeks ago was an absolute nailed on choice the plane does not leave without him because he'd just gone on this kind of talismanic run for Arsenal where he just continued to be the best player in their 11, taking them through like Europa League knockout rounds kind of by the scruff of the neck. Since then, since it's pretty much since I said that, he's not been the kind of talismanic player that he was. And I don't, I think he's kind of faded away a little bit. So I yeah. do think he misses the cut now. Six weeks ago, he was nailed on. See, now not so much I think that's kind of how it changes <laughs> changes so much in football he will play for England though I mean he can't switch his oh, yeah, no doubt. now anyway so <laughs> yeah he's now he's now he's sort of shackled in now tough yeah. shit <laughs> I think I think he will I think he will be a key player I just think after this season like mm-hmm. he's he's dug out a shit Arsenal team a few times but uh, to me he hasn't been like enough to be in this provisional over when there is a when there is a space yeah. for people like Bamford yeah exactly I think also the fact that he's been kind of moved he's listed as a forward here whereas yeah. when I think earlier in the season we were talking about him being left wing back when yeah, he left, left wing back, back. because at the, there was a there was a game where England played with no left backs because Chilwell and Shaw were both injured and rather than you know go down the list of left backs Southgate just didn't pick one he just played I think he played Trippier at, yeah. at left wing back yeah. and I was I was saying at the time that Saka could work there and it really pissed me off that they didn't pick a left back. Like, there's so many left backs in England that if you go down enough, you'll find one that will slot in nicely, yeah. rather than playing someone out of position. But I think now he's he's listed as a forward. Like he's gone so far up the pitch now that, and you've got Chilwell and Shaw that are both healthy now. There's no need for him there. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where it counts against him. So I guess we've got we've got three more to cut. And yeah, from mid- from what two positions now? From two positions, I think midfielders. We've got Jude Bellingham, Jordan Henderson, Jesse Lingard, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, James Ward-Prowse. To me, I don't know why. I think it was if somebody said to me that James Ward-Prowse is going to go to the Euros at the start of the year. As much as I really like him as a player, it's just one of those things that you could just never see it happening. But I think he's mm. I think he's sort of nailed on to go. 
He's yeah. played every single oh, okay. minute of every game of Southampton's season. Scored no end of free kicks. Pretty much been one of the engines of that team. And I think he does give you something different. But I think in that mid in the midfield, I almost don't see any of them getting cut. Even somebody like Lingard. Do you know what I mean? Like I know obviously he's had a great second half of the year, but it's that number ten thing of like. Foden's a number 10, Mount's the number 10, Grealish can play a number 10. Do we yeah. need a fourth number 10? Yeah. yeah. I don't see any of the midfielders getting cut. So that's three. Well, I mean, then again, we're probably going to have to cut one. Who is it? Who'd you cut? Hart. Calvin, Calvin Phillips for me. You think? Really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, for me, for sure. Like, when I look at that list, I just think that, like, you can't, you obviously cannot cut. Jordan Henderson I mean he's he's not he's not the most prolific player and he may likely end up with some sort of injury going into the Euros but I just think the head that he has on his shoulders is so important for the whole squad he is I'm in no way shape form a Liverpool fan but what a fucking what a man and what a player he is Mm -hmm. like he 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 like he needs to be around this squad of young players to even if he's on the bench if he's in the dressing room just saying to them little words in in ears and stuff like that given direction if anything so I think, I think that, he's, he should be the captain yeah po- yeah uh, yeah I, I totally agree like he just needs as long as he's fit he needs to be even if he's not fit take him but if he's if he's fit play him and let him just boss all these young kids into into what they need to do when the chips are down because inevitably with it being England the chips will be down at certain points <laughs> yeah yeah, I think you're right I think it's I think it's Ward Prowse for me that doesn't go it's, I guess it's between Ward Prowse and maybe Ward Prowse Lingard and Bellingham I suppose depending on what way you want to look see, at it see some, somebody raised something interesting today was that um, there's been absolutely zero talk of Bellingham in any of these conversations and he's just ghosted through all these squad squad announcements and inclusions so much so that I think it's almost like the press of him not going has been suppressed because he's going and that to me (laughs) when we did our squad things we were like he's 17 he's he's played really well for Dortmund and he's had a good year and you know it's this standout talent that of course he's going to play for England because he's our next you know he's our next absolute star in the centre of midfield but mm-hmm. I think it's almost like I feel like he's, I feel like he's just going to take him. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll, I think he'll go. I, I genuinely think that he will go. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think I think Bellingham will go. I think Lingard's had a fucking amazing last sort of four months to the season, and I think it depending on whether you want to cut more defenders than midfield. If we're cutting one midfielder, it's James Will Prowse for me. But the only you thing yeah snip out a defender an extra one and keep all those midfielders in I think there I think the thing I agree with Ward Prowse even though I've just I'm basically contradicting myself now but bringing a point back to it is when Southgate sets up at 4-2-3-1 and he likes to have two holding midfielders mm-hmm. Phillips is one of those that his distribution is brilliant Mm-hmm. He's calm on the ball, and him and Rice next to each other. Like if Henderson's injured and he wants to play four-two-three-one, Phillips will be one of those holding midfielders. Okay, well maybe we don't cut any midfielders, and maybe we oh, maybe so we do, got maybe we don't. 
Well, I mean, we've got four right backs to start with. So. <laughs> okay, <no. laughs> right, and no need. where do you sit on this Trent thing? Because I'm all for, I'm all pro Trent, me. And I, I know people can probably be like, well, it's you know, he's not going to go for this reason and this reason. I don't fucking care. He's got the best right foot since Beckham. Where are you sitting? <laughs> I, I think take him. I, I think all this noise around do and don't. I think take him. What a wonderful football player, first and foremost. Like again, I don't like Liverpool. Don't I don't like him. But I enjoy watching Trent play, and I think what he brings to the table, especially for England, is he don't stop fucking running. The bloke does not stop running, and we need that. We need that more than anything. Hmm basically where I'm at (laughs) (laughs) I think we all kind of land on the same place as Trent then because I think his he did have like I think it was maybe just the first half of the season was a bit slow for him I think the second half as Liverpool have kind of chugged along and nicked that they nicked third in the end didn't they so Mm. they came on strongly at the end of the season I think he's I think he warrants his place on on past form the thing the, the thing is you've got um Trent Alexander-Arnold, who won the league last season. You've then got Rhys James who's in a Champions League final. Carl Walker, who's in a Champions League final. And um, Rhys James, who... No, sorry, who have I just... And Kieran Trippier, sorry, who's just won the league with Atletico Madrid. Like, that's four very strong right-backs, and we've not even touched on a £50 million right-back who plays for Manchester United. Can't get anywhere near the squad. The strength in depth is fucking unreal, for want of a better word, <laughs> this year, in defence, anyway. Yeah. Um... There's going to be ve- like trying to cut defenders here is going to be quite difficult. I think. Well, because every single right back makes their own. Like they've got a case to <laughs> to be made for each one. And the thing, like uh, Reese James, has come in to Chelsea, and he's like he's so good at covering. Like mm-hmm. every time, if you watch anything this season, Chelsea, like he'll go forward, but whenever anything is happening with the ball coming back Reese James is there and he's built like a brick shit house as well how he's so fast for how big he is like he <laughs> is rapid that being said Trent starts for me so okay yeah. interesting and I so. think there's some it's maybe to be said there if Harry Maguire's not fit it's pretty much I think it's pretty yeah. much nailed on that England will play three at the back which then yeah, Walker yeah. Yes. Walker slots yeah. into that third centre yeah, back yeah. position which Luke Shaw can also do mm, I don't think he would be first pick for it but he can do it we've seen right. Trippier play left wing back we've got Chilwell as a left wing back so I think in terms of Ch- Chilwell and Shaw are pretty much nailed for me Yeah, yeah. Stones, I, I Stones is going to go he's had a brilliant year even though he was nowhere near England last year but he's got to mm. go Stones has got a few goals in him as well. He has, yeah, yeah, he has. The really interesting one for me is actually, like, there's two players in here who I I hadn't thought about, one until yesterday and one until today. So I hadn't thought about Ben White at all until his name popped up in the provisional squad. And I was like, oh, actually, that kind of makes sense in terms of if you keep him around the squad, I think he's a really good centre-back. And can play in midfield as well. Yeah, but if you you include him in, in this kind of, you put him in the provisional squad, you get him training... And maybe 18 months down the line, he becomes a bit more of a stalwart for England. Ben Godfrey was mentioned by someone on... Someone got in touch on our Twitter and said, oh, I think Ben Godfrey should go. He's very versatile. He plays all across the back line for Everton. And I hadn't thought about him at all. Then I looked into his numbers and I'm like, actually, he might might deserve a call-up himself. So it's good that he's in this provisional squad. I'm excited to see 
maybe if he gets a game like if he gets some game time in one of the friendlies, I think we've got two friendlies coming up. One's against Romania. Cannot remember who the other. Aren't one they is past June first though? Yeah, I think oh, the, I think the squad gets I think the squad <sighs> okay. gets finished before them. Them games. Right, so maybe this is just provisional for the Champions League final then, and the Europa just to see if anyone gets injured. Mm. Okay, yeah, well, it's to see, it's that to see if Maguire comes back. <laughs> let's let's be let's be real. Right, it's okay. to see whether Maguire is actually going to be around for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, there goes my there goes my thought like my thought process behind Ben Godfrey. Then never mind. <laughs> He's out for me. Then. I think that I think something interesting though is is that obviously. Walker being able to fill the third centre-back position and with the versatility of somebody like Luke Shaw if he's needed. I think like centre-backs that are nailed on centre-backs, there's only probably going to be four. And Maguire's probably going to go even if he's half fit just because it's Maguire. Yeah. Stones is definitely going to go. So the other two, it's between Connor Cody, Tyrone Mings, Ben Godfrey, Ben White. You mm-hmm. think Tyrone Mings is that third one? Yeah, I think Cody and Mings. What about you, Ant? I agree. I think Mings for sure. I think he's a fantastic mm-hmm. player. I think if anything, he's underrated, personally, because he's he is a full. He's like that old school kind of centre back that will just stick his head anywhere and get in the way, and he is absolutely fearless. Um, a little bit yeah. John Terry esque. Absolutely, and you can see <laughs> you can see that John Ter- you can see John Terry's influence on his game since Terry's oh, gone yeah, to I didn't Villa. Think about that. Yeah, you can you can see his influence because he will throw his head at he'll put his head towards anyone's foot if he thinks he'll get the ball. Like he just doesn't care, and I love that. I think that that and I think that that kind of mentality will be important if England go, you know, go one up in a big game and you need a big lad to just step up and get in the way of the ball, throw his body in front of the ball. I think Mings will be that player. Sound reasoning. I think like that that kind of. Yeah, so have we, have we have we come to a decision on who we think we're going to cut from both defenders and midfielder? Because we got we had three spaces left, right? Yeah, I think we had three yeah. spaces left. So we had yeah. so Godfrey, so and... Godfrey, White, and then do we cut a right back or do we, yeah? So Godfrey and right are shoe in. So we've got one position left to get rid of, or one player to fill that we should kind of I think, cut from the squad. I think it will be one of the right backs, and I think okay. As much as it does hurt me because I love him, I think it. It'll be between Trent and Reese James, right? And I think I don't want to say it, but I think it might be Reese James. And I, no, fuck it, I can't even, I can't even back myself <laughs> on that. I can't back myself on it because everything says to me that Trent's not going to go, just in the way that he was omitted from the last squad. There's been all this animosity around it. There's been things in the Athletic saying they're still not confident he's going to go, and. I, I I want Trent to go, and if it was if it was at the expense of Reese James, I wouldn't be happy about it. But I think if I had to if I had to put a fiver behind it, even though I don't agree with myself, which is just hilarious because look at me fucking contradicting myself left, right, and centre. <laughs> I think Reese James is maybe the other one that gets cut. But if you two have got other ideas and agree on it, I'm happy to. Why Why don't we do it like this then? If I gave you a tenner, who would you put the tenner on to not go? <laughs> Trent. <laughs> If, if you're cutting it down to Trent and Reese James, to me, I think Southgate sees the Reese's mo- like his ability to a, slot into other positions. He's a defensive coach, isn't he? So you're probably absolutely bang on there. And that, again, Reese James would come in as that. What we were just saying about Tyrone Mings, he will throw himself in front of anything. I just I can't help but think that Trent, if you're going into a crunching challenge. Or you need someone to throw themselves in front of the ball. Trent's just not going to do that. Um, 
For me, anyway. For me, it's if it comes down to them two, it's Trent okay. getting left behind. That right, may be so Chelsea your ten, bias. Your tenor, your tenor's going on, Trent. Yeah. Pals, what about you? I can hear you toiling in the background. Like, oh, I don't know. I just love it. I just fucking love it. Like, I just, I'm crying. Just fucking love him. <laughs> like, just, I think it's with Trent. It was that. I think just his rise. He's 22 years old. He's won the league. He's won the Champions League. He's got the best right foot since Beckham in the world to me. And. I just think, how can you not take a player with that much talent and ability? Like, he's brilliant. I know sometimes he has a bit, he has a struggle. You know, I, I don't think he can play wing back very well. But just as a right back, or even, fuck it, even the age old, age, uh, sorry, the age old discussion that Gary Lineker always tweets about is put him in midfield, even though it might not work. He, he changes a game. He can change mm. a game in a second. Look at corner so taken quickly. Your going to Reese James then. <laughs> I don't even want it to go on Reese James. I think I've I think I've got to concede defeat and just stab myself in the heart and it put it right. on Trent not to go. But I'm happy to lose a tenner. Fuck it. Fair. Sorry, Fair. that was quite emotional. I'm, I'm sticking me. my tenner on James Ward Prowse. <laughs> That's where my tenner's going. I'm taking four right backs, baby. <laughs> Let's fucking go. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. He lo- he fucking loves a defence. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. I think he's taking four. And I backs. think you're probably. I think well, I think with with James Ward Prowse, in, in me thinking Ward Prowse is probably going to go. They both have that set piece delivery, and they both mm-hmm. have that dead ball ability, passing range. Like, fuck it. I don't know. Let's move on from this because I'm <laughs> like, shit for ages. All right. Imagine <laughs> imagine being Southgate in this situation, man. You'd yeah, be fucking. Banging your head I off the wall. I think I'd probably constantly. just be live tweeting how I feel, how yeah. I felt at Southgate at the press conference. <laughs> if I was England manager, I would never check Twitter ever. Oh God, no! So just that never. would be the last place I would go for opinion. Should be the um, last place anyone goes anywhere. Fucking hellhole, <laughs> hellhole. From one team to another, then, and let's get on to your eleven that we know that we don't need to cut anyone from. No. Because you've picked it, you've hand-picked it yourself. It took me a long time um, to pick, though. I, I, was, I, I texted Powell a few times being like, this is fucking hard. Like, <laughs> It's the beauty of the game. Yeah. So what was your thought process behind the 11 originally, then? So the, the whole process around it was players that make me either love the game or that made me fall in love with the game in the first place. Because ultimately, all of us fell in love with football because of players on special nights, on Champions League nights on ITV, on, you know, on them big games on a Saturday where you'd sit there. As a kid, I would sit with so much excitement from 9am till like 3pm for the Chelsea kickoff, just absolutely buzzing. And I would just, I was so excited on football as a kid, I'd just watch any kind of football. So it was all about, the whole 11 is about players that make me excited about football. Mate, that sounds perfect. I'm really glad you said Champions League nights on ITV as well, because that's the key. Oh, they yeah. Need to be, if it, they need to be on ITV Bring talking about back. a good Champions League night. Bring that back. Because <laughs> yeah. it's depriving kids of like a rite of passage within football. Oh, ITV, massively. Champions League. Never mind renationalize yeah. the railways, renationalize the fucking Champions League. <laughs> Nationalise the Gazprom, exactly. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with the goalkeeper then, shall we? Let's go. <laughs> I've got Ben Foster, the big man, the legend. Yes. This is all, and this is all based off of his YouTube as well. Oh, it's brilliant. Okay. Yeah, it's such good entertainment. I was going to ask. So he runs a YouTube called The Cycling GK. 
um and i am massively into cycling like over the lockdown period i've got massively into it i am full-on lycra flying down hills the fucking lot <laughs> yeah um and i've got proper into it and his youtube has actually been like a big part of that like because it is the perfect combination of both things he puts the gopro in the goal and shows all these clips of him both good and bad doing goal like goalkeeping um it's shown the whole watford campaign into them getting promoted and the episode where they get promoted is the best thing that i've ever seen because it just it's just ben with a goal bro showing all these behind the scenes of all this team celebrating it is so good and he rides my dream bike as well so <laughs> it's really funny that's cool it's really that's really different as well isn't it You're yeah right. he's 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 great and you know what like he is a good goalkeeper he I respect that he's openly spoke about his his um, mental health issues and like when he went to United, how he wasn't ready for it and the pressure that it put him under and the mental health strain that it put him under. I respect that a lot because there's not enough football players talking about the mental health issue around the pressure that they're put under. Um, you know, we, we kind of put these football players on a pedestal. Same with bands, you know, like Sleep's talk, spoke about this loads with uh, the release of Nervous that certain people get put on a pedestal and no one ever talks about the, the mental health issues. And the, and Ben Foster come out and said that the reason that he didn't play so good was because he wasn't in a great headspace and he didn't get any help for it. And I just really respect that. Like on a man-to-man level, I respect that massively because it can't be easy for him to turn around and talk about it when you know you're going to get torn, apply, turn, torn apart on places like Twitter and stuff. Yeah, that's sound. That's like, it is, it is good that players come out and do that because I think there was... I spoke to Stephen Corker once outside, outside of Loftus Road. He just done I got I got I got to the game really early and um all the us sort of watched all the all the players kind of like filing in out of the cabs and stuff and he'd just done this article in the Guardian I think about his gambling addiction and stuff and he was yeah. just kind of signing bits and pieces he was walking in and I just sort of mentioned to him as I was I was there with my cousin I was just like mate that that article in the Guardian was was meant it was a really good read and he just looked. He would just look back and was like, oh, "I'm really." Oh. He sort of seemed really appreciative that someone had said that back to him. I think I don't know whether people take the time to just kind of, I don't know, openly like thank them or just yeah. say that that they enjoyed reading what they put out there. That kind of thing. Just when you, if you're going to open yourself up like that, it's like good to go back to people and just say that. Yeah, it was you know, it was appreciated that you kind of went out of your comfort zone to say something like that. Yeah. Just a note I on the you... note on Corker as well. He's uh, he, yeah. he was named in the team of the season for the Turkish league. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, that's that's good to hear, <laughs> man. It's such a shame that he never he never worked out at in different. But I mean, he he sort of bobbled around a few places. Yeah, Turner, but Liverpool played as a centre forward at a clock for a bit, didn't he? It was really strange. He his career is a weird one, but all due to kind of things around mental health and addiction and stuff like that. So it's yeah, I'm glad to hear that he he had a good season in Turkey of all places. Right. So you're right back and. So I have gone for my man, Danny Alves. Recently recalled to the Brazil squad at 38, I think he is now. Uh, he's so heavily decorated <laughs> as well. I love it. I just love, like, I love the story of how, like, there's so many stories of him and Messi. And, you know, like, we hold Messi in such high regard as, like, in my in my opinion, he he's better than Ronaldo, and he is the the absolute goat. Mm-hmm. And we hold him in such high regard, but the no one ever really thinks about like 
Messi doesn't just get the ball on his own. The ball is fed to him. And when you look at the way that, that Alves used to play with him, it was so much fun to watch. And again, Champions League nights, ITV, shout out, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> it, it, he was just one of the players that I was like, I just, I love to, I love to watch. I could watch, watch him play that position all all day. He kind of bossed it for that that iconic Barca team, and he is so highly decorated. I, I, I was like, I looked it up, and he's won just about everything that you could win, really. So mm. such a small right back as well. Like yeah. yeah, such a small but powerful but direct and fun right back. Yeah. There's a reason he kind of bounced around from, from like high profile club to because he went from was it Sevilla to Barca, Barca to to Juve I think. Juve to won PSG. everything at Juve, Juve to PSG won everything he could possibly win there, and now he's gone back to Sao Paulo. I think he's just won whatever league titles you can win over there, and now he's been recalled to the Brazil squad. Like still to this day is playing at a high enough level to be recalled to to play in like the famous yellow shirt. So to have to have the amount of trophies that he's got on his mantelpiece, and then to have the longevity as well to still be playing at such a high level, yeah, there's there's not many better right backs in world football, really, is there? No, definitely not. Not to me, like again, just such an iconic player. Like, yeah, just he's one of the players that just made it, and he makes it look so easy as well. Like, <laughs> it's not easy. Like, it's not it's easy enough to get a football and kick it around your back garden, or to like kick it around with your mates, but it's not easy to be a fucking pro. And he makes it look like he's kicking it around the back, like in the back garden with his brothers or whatever like it's ridiculous <laughs> right you've got a nice centre back pair in here you can choose whichever one you want to start with I'm gonna I've got to go with my captain the captain okay. leader legend John Terry oh, what a man like he obviously there is a big black mark on his name next because of the incident with Ferdinand which is shit in my opinion because I don't I don't agree with anything to do with that side of the world racism fucking sucks and anyone that says anything racist or does anything racist can get fucked and it's a shame because it's it's put a big black mark next to his career but as someone that you want playing for your team and leading your team you want a player like John Terry to to mm. to kick it up from the back he and everyone respected him was it looked like at times that players like Hazard were fucking terrified of him and I love that because he you need someone with a big voice that's just going to stand up when you're you know when you're up against it when you're really struggling to just come through and just say this is what we fucking do and again one of them players that will put his head anywhere he got kicked in the face twice I think he had the the the, the big boot to the face um yeah, there's the one for Abu Dhabi, which is made into the sickest T-shirt by some Arsenal club. It's like um made into like a Pantera rip, and it says no vulgar display way. of power. And it's like, um, <laughs> boot into Terry's face. Um, I always great re- T-shirt. I always remember that get England game against Slovenia. I think it was where we needed to win to go through. The- and he's like, there's that slow mo clip of him basically like upside down trying to head the ball like yeah. downwards like worm the worm across so the ground strange, but what yeah big respect and he what, scored what so many back. goals yeah um yeah and my other center back is vincent company 
for almost the same kind of reasons because what a leader for such an iconic city side he he just he's a, a captain through and through he every member of that team respected him he led with by example he would get in front of any ball didn't matter whether it was traveling at 10 mile an hour or 10 hundred mile an hour he was going to stick his face in front of it and stop it going in the net like i just love players that really care about their sides and that bleed whatever shirt they're wearing do you know what i mean i love that you got two iconic captains in there from mm. like both of their sides yeah there was something a bit um there was something a bit like this might go off on a tangent a little bit, but hopefully my point shines through is when City signed company, much like Liverpool's or, you know, Southampton signing Van Dyke or United signing Vidic or whatever, when City signed company, not a lot of people knew a lot about him because they signed him from Hamburg, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they signed, like really low fee, yeah, like 8 million. Him yeah, and yeah. Nigel de Jong or something from, from Hamburg. And it's like... It, it, this player comes into the Premier League that you think, oh, I don't really know much about this guy. And over time just comes to be one of the best centre-backs that the Premier League's ever seen. It's just, it's it's so funny about those kind of centre-backs because when, obviously Liverpool signed in Van Dijk for like 75 million, you know you know he's a brilliant centre-back at that point. But like, there is does seem to be a theme about these these centre-backs that go on to be these absolute magnates of, you know, of centre-defence where they just seem to come out of nowhere and just blossom into these absolute world-beaters. And I think company is the absolute embodiment of that. It's also quite strange that that companies seem to be a very low profile signing for quite for fairly little money at the time. I would say it was yeah under ten million what they signed him for just after Manchester City get taken over by. I think it was the first time they got loads of money. So by the Thai guy, maybe it was the second anyway. But like they've signed him for so little money for little fanfare, and he goes on to become basically the embodiment of the club. He becomes this huge figure, this like icon of the club. Yet. They like they've not spent loads of money on him. Just seems a bit weird mm. that like they had all this money to spend, yeah. and it turns out that their biggest club legend cost them pennies and, at, the, at the very start. Like it wasn't a, a huge money signing like Aguero was. Yeah, yeah. And in turn, has his own Aguero moment where, come full circle, he scores that goal that wins in the yeah. league. And what <laughs> yeah, a yeah. fucking goal it was! Yeah. Absolutely absolute bullet from yeah. thirty odd yeah, yards. You just out. knew as soon as he got the ball, it was like he's not going to win this. He's not going to win this. Yeah. Well. There you go. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Your point right. as well about yeah. like about players that like sign under the radar for low amounts. Um, Chelsea had it with Gary Cahill. Signed him for like eight million, mm. I think it was, maybe even less than that. And he kind of slotted in next to Terry, fit that Carvalho role. He slotted in next to Terry, and he just never left it. Become the become the captain after Terry left, and he he left the club and went to Palace as an absolute Chelsea legend. And he just he he always flew under the radar and just learnt from obviously the greatest one of the greatest Chelsea captains ever, and just took up the role so well. And he it was quite strange to watch him the year that Terry left. Watch Cahill come in and just boss it in the exact same way. He was a carbon copy of John Terry, and it was it, again yeah one of them players that come in for little money but is so important to the club. So if you could have really if cool. you could have more than three players per club, would Cahill have gone in this eleven? He was definitely yeah for me he he it, mainly because of it's it, that moral wrestle with having having John Terry in with the racist problems 
um, and the other, like yeah. the many other issues he's had. The reason that Terry is in there is because he is such an iconic Chelsea player. But Cahill was giving me a lot of issues in this as well because he he was a carbon copy John Terry without racist issue. Mm. I think one of the things that we've because we do we are going to come across this as we do this podcast more and more. We're going to come across people that like I mean football players that we need to just talk about them on the pitch because yeah. we've we've spoken about Giggsy quite a lot on this podcast yeah. so far. Um, we need to kind of, like off the pitch, obviously, quite a reprehensible human being. John Terry on the pitch is, for a lot of people, will be their favourite players of all time. So a reason that they fell in love with the game. You you know, you just kind of have to separate that a little bit with, with what they do off the pitch because you're just just looking at this football ability like their footballing ability we've also spoken about players like Robinho as well who's been involved in all sorts of shit off the field so yeah and even players like Neymar and that as well have been caught up in a lot of stuff as well it kind of yeah it it, it is there and while we're ultimately Ronaldo as well he he yeah there's going to be I think when we talk about these when we put these 11s together when you guys sort of come on the podcast and put 11s together I think it's just if we yeah, we'll talk about them on the pitch and then maybe leave the stuff to the side yeah. for now. Just to, love that. <laughs> just love so that. We, love we can always address it. We'll, we'll address it, but just this is all based on footballing ability. Yeah, I think yeah. something I'm to say about that. just a final touch of John Terry before we move on to the left back is he's not he's not disappeared into the shadows as he's a very prominent figure at Villa. You know, it's yeah. no secret that he's going to end up being a manager somewhere at some point. And I think not to. I'd, not to even dive, dive further into it, but I think there will be a time where he will speak about it, and I think we will see something in due course that sets it right. And you know, I hope we do. But yeah, I, um, I, the, the day that he sets it right is the day that I like. I'll be over the moon because, like, I mean, you can't. There's no way that you can put together a dream eleven from anywhere, be it just as Chelsea or worldwide, and not consider John Terry in that role. So, like, yeah, yeah. For sure. It's obviously you. You can't completely just what like the you. You can understand that there's two things. You can understand that someone has done something completely reprehensible off the field, or actually in this case, it's on the field. But you can also at the same time understand what these people mean Absolutely. to fans Absolutely. and to the football and to and to the game itself. So there's two. You just have to remember there's two things here. So yeah, whilst we can address one issue, we can also say that you know this guy is is a legend at one club for what he did on the pitch and for the trophies he lifted. Yeah, so. I love that. Fair. Cool. Right, left back. Roberto he's back in the Carlos. side, pals. Oh, he's the most picked player. Ant. He is the most yeah. picked player. Yeah, you got you got to love White. I mean, like he. Jumped. There's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. Again, them them Champions League nights. The reason that I fell in love with football was watching players like Roberto Carlos just absolutely boss it. And again, he's one of them players that you'd watch him that night. You'd watch him play fantastically and then the next day at school you're trying to do what he did yeah what smash a fucking smash a ball in the top corner from 40 yards and not even yeah. make it 10 <laughs> yeah a, sh- a shoot five through a chain link fence <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, what a player I mean we don't even really need to talk about him that much if you don't know who Roberto Carlos is I'm gonna go ahead, go ahead and say you don't really like football so yeah I mean he just has one of them names it's just ahead of him really isn't it yeah Absolutely. Right, so you've gone for four one three two in the formation, so we'll we'll go to the holding midfielder. Um take it away, mate. King fucking Kante. <laughs> oh my they're like 
the best thing that I can say about Kante is when I was younger that Makaleli created this position. Like he was so important for Chelsea and he kind of created this like this whole like CDM role and stuff was based around a lot of what Makaleli did. He went on record I think it was last week in saying that it is no longer the Makaleli position, it is the Kante position because he does it oh. he does it better. <laughs> like That is cool. Ev- that is really cool. Everyone says that Kante can run and covers every blade of grass and like I said, I'm sure he goes around the car park just for good measure, but he's <laughs> also an incredible human being. Like he still drives a Mini Cooper. He pays ten pounds for a haircut. <laughs> he is he when he won the World Cup, he was too embarrassed to ask to have a photo with it. Um, oh, do you guys know I've about the story the- about him in the mosque as well? No. Uh, no. So he was getting a train out to France for international duty, and he missed his train. So he went to a local mosque in in London to start praying, and bumps into a Liverpool fan who starts talking to him. And the Liverpool fan invites him round for some food and to play FIFA. Oh, I've seen the video, and he goes round. Yeah, he goes round, plays FIFA, watches match of the day, starts talking <laughs> to the bloke about all these different players, like, and then he leaves with like the most humble thank you in the world. Like, I just love him so much. That is wicked. That is such a good story. And he, there are stories of him before he come to the Premier League. He would run to training, he would train and then run home just for the extra fitness because he just loves it that much. Like he. <laughs> He's unbelievable. Like that's one hell of a regime. Yeah, and the the stories about him driving a Mini Cooper. He drove one that was so it like there's photos of him driving one that's got dents in the side where he's like dinged it off of things. And he's just not asked. He just carries on. Just loves it. Um, that is cool. He yeah, and as a player, like so important to Chelsea this season. The reason, arguably, the reason that we're in the Champions League final. The reason that we finished fourth. Um, if we don't have him in the Champions League final, it's game over. If he's not fit... It's... Is, it, is it really that important to you then? Is I, that what you see as a kind of linchpin of the whole side? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, that Tuchel at the moment builds a side around Kante and uh, Mount. Them two, first on the team sheet and then everything else, you work around them. Um, he is... like I know that I'm, I'm obviously going to wax lyrical about him as a Chelsea player, but he was so important in that Leicester side as well. Um, so important uh, and like it, 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 a bit of a money ball signing as well really like, yeah yeah and they signed him for like 8 million or something like 6 million quid from Rems was it second division sign yeah yeah and like um, maybe I'm wrong about that but it was about about that much money from a, a not very a not very prestigious side to go on and have that impact it's just unseen yeah and th- he's won so much so so much like he won the World Cup. Like he's just, there's 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 the answer to that. He won the World Cup yeah. in this position of just and he 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 just runs and runs and I swear to God the guy never gets tired. It could be the ninety eighth minute and he's just still going. Like the the refs like blowing up because he's knackered and Kante's like right. I'm just gonna go round once around the car park. I might <laughs> go down the road a little bit, um, make a couple challenges on my way and then come back. Like he's <laughs> just so important. Like. Yeah, I do want to see. I now, I now, re, I do want to see Chelsea win the Champions League this weekend now, purely because I want to see the photo of 
of Kante's big smile with the big ears of the Champions League trophy as well. Like, I need to see that photo now. Exactly. I don't know, I don't know who I want to win it. The only thing that I think that I want to see happen is I am absolutely infatuated with Kevin De Bruyne. I don't know why. I just think it's because he's a bloody brilliant footballer. Like the yeah, yeah. The best footballer I think we've seen in the Premier League for a long while. And I just think it's one of those things that I think players like him need to win the Champions League. I think Mason Mount will have other chances. And, you know, I just think... I'm going to shut up, but Kevin De Bruyne. You know how I feel about Kevin De Bruyne, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So whoever wins, we, we either get a picture of Kevin De Bruyne holding the Champions League trophy smiling or we get N'Golo Kante holding it. So, you know, we're happy. Either we way. get something out of it as a neutral. There would be something romantic about Aguero winning it as well. Oh, with the final kick of the game or something as well. Yeah. Like, signing like, off with a, with a winning goal. It really sticks in my throat. Obviously, I want, I want Chelsea to win, but there is something really, there is the romantic side of me would love to see Aguero yeah. get it on his send off before he leaves the club that has been so important to him. So mm. before he goes and signs a mega contract with Barcelona a week later, I think. <laughs> yeah, and then just rakes it in, just kill yeah. like makes money for fun. Yeah. Well you got three you got three central midfielders in front of Angolo Kante then. Yeah. So I've got Messi because he is the GOAT. Like he in the debate between him and Ronaldo, it's always Messi for me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people say that uh, Ronaldo's like been around the world and he's played here and there, but that's the reason that I love Messi is because he's a one club man. Like, be it that there's money involved or whatever, I lo- the romantic side of me loves that he's a one club man that he's done all of this stuff at Barca. Um, the same reason that I love, you know, like John Terry, he was a, he was basically a one club man. Other than scrubbing the last season at Villa, yeah, 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 yeah we just we forget about that. Same, yeah. same with Lamp- same that. with Lampard. He never, he was never at West Ham, and he never went to City. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> we just forget about that. You just clip, you just clip it. Yeah, yeah, just, just, uh, just, ed- just edit them out. He definitely didn't score. Lampard definitely didn't score against Chelsea for Man City. That definitely <laughs> isn't burnt in my head as one of the worst <laughs> moments of my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just think Messi, like he views the game differently. He views the game as if he's playing FIFA. He's outrageous, um, and there's not enough that any football fan can really say about him, in my opinion. That again, it comes back to these. Yeah, we can't deny that Ronaldo is obviously this absolute monster athlete with monster numbers and brilliant finisher, brilliant footballer. But I just think there's something so romantic again about Messi that I can't get yeah. away from that. That's, that's he's just good. the most he is the most electrifying because we are for any people will have noticed by this point we're sort of an hour and 45 minutes into this interview we are one person light on this interview who I'm sure would would rally for Cristiano Ronaldo here but I think yeah. I think all three of us are in agreement like pretty much in agreement here that that Messi is the most electrifying player to play this sport for a long long time um if not of all time I think we're just every time you watch him there's a there's either a chance or he will do something special that you've never seen before. Yeah. yeah. It's insane that the way that he is able to control, I mean, at, at least one third, most like two thirds of the pitch is just his own. He can kind of weave his way through two thirds of the pitch, do what he likes. And the chances of the ball ending up in the goal are pretty fucking high. Mm. Um, if, he's the most exciting player to watch for me anyway. If life was a simulation... I think the same code that was in Maradona is in Messi. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just the one, one of the things that I, I think of all the time when I think of Lionel Messi now is, is, is a slowed down GIF image of the two touches he took for Argentina as he scored against Nigeria in the last game. The ball comes over to him and it touches off his, off his thigh onto his foot. Oh, yeah. And it's such a difficult ball to control dead. And he does it with the two slightest of touches and then scores and takes Argentina through to the group stage with that performance like i think of that all the time yeah. <laughs> like those two touches of the ball and it's yeah it's like uh, he's just an like a magnificent player and, that, and that, one of my one of my favorites that sums up messi for me as well because if like that old cliche saying of he only needs half a chance messi only mm. needs one twentieth of a chance like, yeah yeah <laughs> he does like the way that he can stop the ball like you said like the the touches that he can take he just seems to view things differently he seems to view it in just a whole different way and honest like he took a long time to score against Chelsea and Chelsea nearly had the record of him nearly scoring never scoring against us and I think it was when he scored against us John Terry was absolutely fuming for that reason uh. but you just can't you just can't like it, I don't care like if we if it was the last minute of the game in the Champions League final Messi could score against us and you think well fucking hell it's Messi so it is what it is yeah and do you remember talking? You know, we've mentioned Champions League nights on ITV quite a lot. Of this, but I'm just going to mention another one. Do you remember <laughs> that? I think it was a quarter final where it was Madrid Barca, and he's picked the ball up off Sergio Busquets in the middle of the park, dribbles through all of them, takes it just to the right of Casillas, and then just dinks it over him. And I yeah, think Liam beautiful. Liam Liam's favourite commentator, Clive Tilsley, just going wow 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 wow, and it was like yeah. watching that just made my hair stand up, and it was yeah like, yeah. You, you know what special like how privileged are we to watch this kid like just so lucky yeah no no we're going to be telling our like kids and grandkids like what what older generations talk about Maradona and Pelé and stuff it's like this this was this was the guy this was yeah. the guy this was the yeah. man like the poster boy of the entire sport across the entire world this was this was the guy and moving on from one special player to another <laughs> Paul Scholes <laughs> I was going for the other one, but we'll take him. <laughs> uh, if we're going from one special player to another, we've got to go David Beckham, won't we? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> David Beckham is well, like he just that free kick against Greece had me running up and down my street when I was a kid. Yes. Um, <laughs> the haircuts, I would, my dad would come pick me up every Saturday and take me to the barbers. I'd be, that was going to be my next question, man. I was going to say, what one, what, what haircut did you have? Uh, is this around 2002 World Cup? Yeah, yeah. I had the mohawk. Did the mohawk. I had yes. the mohawk. <laughs> I, I was having whatever he had. I shaved my head when he did. You know, he was such. An, did you get the braids? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, my dad did made me realise how much of a cock I would have looked if I went for the braids. Yeah. So fair point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had the red predators. I would spend hours and hours and hours trying to kick a ball the way that he took free kicks um that body that iconic body position that mm -hmm. he just he just be, would be able to do things from free kicks that at the time was never really done um and he's gone on to be an incredible ambassador for the sport you know he now owns a club and let's face it lads he is one beautiful man Oh yeah. Yes. As James Corden Without said, beautiful doubt. man, beautiful face. Gets a text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The body position you brought up is it is um 
like that that silhouette that he sort of takes up as he's sort of swinging in a free kicker across the kind of the bend and the way that his arms are positioned like the only thing you can compare it to is like the Michael Jordan jump man like yeah. if you black out everything you know exactly who that player is based on just the silhouette I don't think there's many other players in, in other sports where you can just have that kind of outline silhouette and be like oh that well that's that's David Beckham no, that's Michael yeah. Jordan that's, the list kind of stops there he had because he had it for his soccer school didn't he yeah he did it was on some of his boots as well I had a late um, I had like some I think it was for the 2006 World Cup he had like these shiny blue Predators yeah, that came out yeah. and they had the logo on it and I had them and that's that's the logo that was on there so he used yeah he did he did use that for a while didn't he yeah and like he just again another great player and he he really really cared about every club that he went to um and then when he went to paris he gave all of his all of his fee away to charities and Mm -hmm. you know he just like i just love that i love that he did charity work he's a proper family man these days you know he seems happy in his in his little his instagram life is the dream you know he goes out for fucking walks across fields and wears Ten thousand pound outfit, so he looks amazing in. Um, <laughs> yeah, massive hunter welly boots. Oh yeah, and the, he's wearing like flat caps that are worth more than my whole fucking wardrobe. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you know, and he's married to Victoria Beckham. Like, come on, it's it's not a bad life. I is mean, it? come on. And he owns a football club now. It just the more it goes on, the better it gets. And he's in on Salford as well, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he's part of the, He's part of that team, right? Yeah. I remember touching on the PSG thing again. Every time I'm on YouTube, there's somewhere on my suggested is the last eight minutes of Beckham's career where oh, he knows and he's just crying the whole time. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. just I living through him, just being like, I, that's how I'd feel if I was you. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the one of the moments of football that I know exactly where I was when I watched that. There's like a few obviously dotted throughout your life, and that's mm. one where I was like sat on my university like my third year the bed of my third year room in university and I was just watching that on a crappy laptop like tears streaming down my face like this is the last time I'll see David Beckham play football until you know legends games and stuff when he turns up at Old Trafford and is whipping balls in for Nicky Butt against a Bayern 11 (laughs) but it's that like you know that it's drawing to a close there and like there's a chapter of your life where like David Beckham's always been a constant he's always been there since you've been watching football and now it's no more yeah and it's like that door kind of closes you're like what the, now what <laughs> until you see Instagram pictures of him training with the, the Inter Miami 11 probably showing them all up <laughs> oh yeah. absolutely taking dead balls better what than anyone yeah and he he also like yeah. transcended into being a celebrity in a cool way to me as well like mm-hmm. the the way that he was there was photos of him like going to award ceremonies and stuff like I just thought that at the time I was of that moldable age that I thought it was really fucking cool. Everything that he did, everything that he wore, I kind of like studied him with a weird fascination, especially for someone at the time I was so Chelsea through and through that I wasn't interested in anyone else except for Beckham. Mm. Well, magic. On to the special player that isn't Beckham or Messi. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other special player <laughs> yeah. in your three. The other special player, Paul Scholes. What a player. I mean, like, I think, I think underrated I I agree I agree that's I think quite something to say I think he's he's respected amongst like a generation but on the great scheme of like football players I feel like he has slipped under so many radars and uh again it goes Massive. back to he he is he was united through and through and he would 
do anything to win the games. He was scrappy at times. He was creative at times. He would get in front of... He would crunch players. He would play beautiful balls as soon as he got up from crunching that player. Like, he just... He was one of them them players that when I was young and, again, moldable, I was... He made me fall in love with, with a certain style of football. And I fucking hated United at that age. But he... He was one of them players that whenever he touched the ball, he would, in an old school, clever way, play this beautiful, new, fresh style of football. And it was just so fascinating to watch because, like I said, he would absolutely crunch her and then play a 40-yard through ball to someone and just be like, how the fucking hell has he just done that? (laughs) (laughs) Even came out of retirement as well, didn't he? Because he just loved the club so much. He was called in at a time of need and came back like 18 months after he retired or something yeah like yeah and played an extra and played an extra 18 months something so something to be said about that i think yeah right moving on to the top two um gonna say a, a uh, deadly front two, a deadly yeah. front two. <laughs> i picked one of these in my ultimate 11 when me and liam did the pilot of this podcast and i still can't get away from the fact he's one of I think he's one of the best strikers the Premier League's ever seen and ultimately, you know, playing for your club. That moment, I remember, again, another Champions League night on ITV, um, the header that he scored. Oh. Oh, just God. You just knew, you just knew it was going to happen and it did. And say his name. King Didier Drogba. <laughs> what, a, uh, what, a, what a player. Some more great Tilsley commentary on that goal as well. Oh. Yeah, as it just goes. And what about that? And then, <laughs> that's all he says. <laughs> and then when he takes the pen, he says that he instantly says it was written in the stars. And as yeah. soon as he oh. said that, I was fucking crying. Like <laughs> it, Drogba. For me, he again. He was one of them. He them players that come in under a Jose Mourinho era of of kind of exotic players we signed him from Marseille and like there's a story going around of Mourinho saying I will sign you as soon as I get the money I will sign you and then he comes to Chelsea and straight away he's like Drogba we've got to sign Drogba Um, and he was just such a fantastic striker all of the time as well and he could score from anywhere he wasn't one of these strikers that he just tapped it in or he was always just his left foot. He scored, I think three times he scored perfect hat-tricks in the Premier League. It was left foot, left foot, header, right foot. Um, That's impressive, man. Not a lot of people can do that. No, exactly. And like, he would score from outside the box at times. And I mean, that that header in the Champions League final, 88th minute, I named my Depop and my like vintage reselling thing after it, 88th minute. Um, <laughs> like, there's a joke with me and my girlfriend that like, I know the commentary from that that whole game and my girlfriend takes a piss out of me because every time something amazing happens like we'll always be like it was written in the stars it was meant to happen <laughs> um, and yeah like I, I have made a vow that my firstborn will be called Didier um, my missus is, oh, yes. my missus is in no way happy about it she <laughs> she is in no way on board about it she was fuming when she found out it's French for Derek um, <laughs> is it? it is Didier is French for Derek um, or the French equivalent of Derek <laughs> Derek to Champs and yeah she is she was fucking fuming about it because you know Derek Lacey 
Probably not. <laughs> but she's going to have to fucking deal with it because he is the greatest striker to ever pull on a Chelsea shirt. Period. Mate, that's fair. If you if you get away with that, I'll be extremely impressed. I hope you, I really hope you do. I mean, we so me and my girlfriend just actually got engaged uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, mate, congrats, man! Thank yeah, you. Congrats. Um, we yeah, we just got engaged, and she was like, "Yeah, like you know, we're we're like sorting out the wedding. The wedding's going to be at the end of this year. We're like pushing it through for multiple reasons that we want to get it done nice and early." Um, and she's like, "Just one thing, I don't know if I can marry you over the Didier issue." And, I'm, and, and I, I was like, yeah, that's fine. If it's going to be an issue, I don't think I can marry you. And it, it's kind it of, does, yeah. it's kind of been left ever since. I don't really want to bring it up in case she leaves me. But you know, you know what you should do to compound the hurt with it is instead of having nice music to walk down the aisle, just get the Champions League theme on. Dude, as soon as as soon as she says I do, I want it to say it was written in the stars. You can always put it you can always put it in your groom speech because I did um I got married last year and in my groom speech I um said I'd oh, like, you know, thanks everyone for coming. You know, I'd just like to I guess at this point I get to talk about the best day of my life and uh, I'd just like to tell you all about the time that Bobby Zamora scored a number you know, <laughs> winner at Wembley I, like, I love that uh, yeah so you can do exactly the same thing right? I, you can talk about Didier Drogba for, sneak Didier Drogba into your groom speech <laughs> I, I will sneak him into my groom speech I will get him in I'm going to get I'll get one of the boys to film it I'll send it to you both yeah um because I mate please do that'd be wicked uh, yeah I will I will make I'll make that happen uh, the best thing is I'm saying all this now I know she won't listen to this podcast so I can say right, exactly yeah, what perfect. I want and I know that none of her friends are going to listen to the podcast the only people that ever grasp me up would be sleeps so you've also put it about two hours into the interview as well so if they do chances of them getting two hours in as well yeah like her friends are just going to be like slim. her friends aren't going to be I know her friends all too well. I know that they will not be listening to me talk about football because that's the reason they don't come round our house is because they're sick of me talking about football. <laughs> Tuned out after the right back chat. <laughs> Even if they are listening now, we just want to say directly to you, get off. <laughs> yeah. If if you are listening now, I swear to fucking God, don't ruin this for me because it will be funny when me, when I stand up and mention Didier Drogba and I send it to these lads and we will all have a laugh. all right so the last one last but not least eh yeah last but definitely not least the man that i think i think it's safe to say boys that every football fan wishes that this guy played for their club yeah oh mate yeah sergio aguero dude that that is that winner for city is the reason that he's in the team obviously i know that he's like he's super prolific he scored Goals on goals on goals on goals. He scored countless times against Chelsea, which I don't like to bring it up, but it still fucking hurts. <laughs> um, in fact, I think he scored a hat-trick against Chelsea in that famous 6-0 win um, that I was actually on tour with Sleeps for and I didn't speak to anyone for the rest of the day. I went to bed and sulked instead. Um, <laughs> we had a day off in Poland and we all had a lovely Airbnb and everyone went out that night and I just went to bed because I had a fucking riot arse on that we had lost 6-0. Um, but yeah like he is a fantastic player fantastic striker but that 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 whole goal the whole like you guys saying about like commentary I still get goosebumps now when you think about the whole Aguero yeah like 
iconic line. Mate, yeah, there was a bit just... on uh, there was a bit on Sunday on Super Sunday this week where Martin Tyler interviewed Aguero and he gave Aguero his match notes, his his uh, match preparation oh, notes that's in a frame for that game. And Aguero was that's like, so good. he was like, are you sure? He was like, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, of course. And he was like, and he was like, Martin Tyler was saying like, without you, I wouldn't have been able to have that moment either. And oh, love Aguero that. was like, "Well, my dad loves you because of the commentary." And he, he like, and Martin Tyler was like, "We'll forever be joined." And Martin Tyler's looking old now, but like, he was like that moment. He was like, "We'll always have this moment with each other." And I was like, "That's pure." So <laughs> Mate, that's pure. really yeah. fucking sweet. That yeah. is. That so is an pure. underrated moment in football as well. That the shit yeah. like that just doesn't happen. I love that. Brilliant. I mean, really I think cool, we're man. just lucky that we've been able to see those two play in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Very blessed. But yeah, what a strong team. And then this is where the poetic license kind of comes into play. Your three subs, which are musical musical choices. Um, yeah. Who and why? I mean, you can just rattle through them in one go if you want and say why. I mean, obviously, they're probably from your music taste and bands that have influenced you. You said you were a bit of an indie kid growing up, which is somewhat yeah, reflected yeah. in this. But let's, let's go for it. So the first one is Surge from Kasabian. Um he was actually uh, he used to play for Leicester um, before going on to be an absolute rock and roll star. He played for Leicester, um, and I don't know if you guys ever watched Soccer AM when you guys of were like, yeah. He he scored one of the greatest like through yeah. the hole goals in a pair of winkle pickers. Um, yeah, <laughs> like flicking it up and just smashing it, um, and then runs off, <laughs> and then runs off round the car park, much like Angolo Kante would do. Um, he, yeah, he just brilliant. He was a, apparently a very good football player. I don't know a great deal about him, but Kasabian were he like, looked it. <laughs> yeah, Kasabian were a band that molded my whole like indie influence. Um, just because I, I remember hearing like that self-titled record that they put out with like LSF and and Clubfoot on it, and just being fascinated. Um, and it was around about the time that bands like that were just booming onto the scene. Bands like the Cortinas were around. Bands like the Enemy, um, just all these bands that were like singing about getting out of their shithole towns, which is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, he Serge from Kasabian, absolutely big respect to Kasabian and the fact that he. Um, was once a football player would mean that I could have him up front probably and he would score and then run off just being a fucking legend um, all while wearing pointy <laughs> shoes and a headband and, yes and a headband absolutely <laughs> and a headband. <laughs> um, my other my second one would be Mike Skinner from the streets what a, an absolute poet um, his view on life on the world is fantastic in my opinion he can put words and feelings into a song that a lot of people would struggle to put into real life sentence um and i think he's underrated as a as a songwriter for that um obviously a lot of people know that streets are just absolute bangers but if you listen to the lyrics and what he's saying and what he's trying to get out there it's unbelievable um i'd also absolutely love to go on a night out with him um and just, he looks like a laugh doesn't he <laughs> yeah and like i would love to just throw beers in the air with him when Mason Mount scores the England winner um, and he, he like he is of that that like football culture I know that he he's from Birmingham I lived in Birmingham for a while he's a big big into like the, the football 
into football and being a part of the Birmingham scene and he yeah he was just he's just a guy that I've always really looked up to so I'd love to have him on my side just because it's all beers 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 lads 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 and would just be loads of fun um and he's 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 turned into a bit of a dad these days he's got a bit of a dad bod so I'd love to stick him at the back because I know he would just crunch people instead of running around um and my third one is Joe Talbot from Idols um first and foremost what a fucking band um incredibly important band in today's day and age standing up for absolutely every injustice that's going on in this world um super anti-racism anti-sexism their newest record is an absolute banger if you haven't listened to it i can't recommend it enough um he recently features on a frank carter track um and it's just full of of venom and spite about things that are going wrong and everyone should have that kind of person on a football team someone that's just full of venom full of spite wants to just get the job done and will I mean it's a running theme through my team will bleed the colour that you are and just really fucking care Um, and I feel like he really cares about everything that's going on right now so yeah definitely him probably in in a CB role as well just kicking people and spitting and scratching and telling everyone else that they're wrong he's got attitude for sure yeah absolutely there's just that one song that I can't get out of my head and it's the one about the village Model Village oh oh god the lyricism in it oh Uh, yeah see that's the point where I have to admit some uh, some ignorance I think it's the more over the when the pandemic and I had we'd, we'd put Radio 1 on every day and it was just the thing of like, I heard the song and I was like, ah, I'm kind of into this. And then the more I heard it and the more I heard it, it just became one of those things that got quickly ruined for me. But yeah, right. take nothing away, the band are a great band. And Soccer AM actually were the, were the first people that sort of pushed them on me. So yeah, I mean, people in the right places. And I think they're all footy fans, aren't they? I their, believe their bassist, so. Yeah, their bassist has got a few old Newcastle shirts. And I think he's a big Newcastle fan. Love um, that. But yeah, yeah. Good subs. Very interesting yeah. subs. All right, so we also asked for a walkout song and a goal song. Did yep. you put any thoughts to them, or did you? Are you just gonna rash decision it? No, I'm. I've, the walkout song for me is "You Are We" by While She Sleeps. Yeah. Um, oh, wicked. Simply because it is so like it's anthemic, it's massive, yep. it's about community, it's about being yourself while being a part of something greater and something important um yeah that for me is it's an important song because i i started working for the boys on the very very early end of the uoe cycle um just before the pandemic we did brixton completely sold out and i'm pretty sure when they played uoe the the sing-along could be heard across london it was so loud it gave me goosebumps it it's one <laughs> hey, that's wicked one of the very few times that i've been moved almost to tears because the the show went flawlessly and then that song come in and it just i know it means a lot to everyone involved in the, in with the band and in the crew that song is a, is is important so yeah walking out you are we about community about being more than just yourself while being important to yourself as well so yeah goal song what what's what's blasting off when a goal goes in uh, the cribs, men's needs. Sim- oh, nice! Simply because that fucking that intro bit. Do you know what I mean? It's just everyone singing along. Everyone's buzzing. You're four 0 up in the Champions League final against Man City. Men's needs kicks <laughs> in. Like, love it. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's also got that kind of tone that if you are falling up in a in a Champions League final, it does kind of sound a bit piss taking. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're, if you're four, like, as as the team that's four 0 down, you're like fuck's sake, yeah, fuck <laughs> this again. Like really? Yeah. Um, I did listen <laughs> yeah. to your one with Beers, and he he was saying that you know they shouldn't there shouldn't be a goal song. But if you're going to have a goal song, it's got to be fucking annoying. And that would be really <laughs> annoying. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. Absolutely. If you batter the team. Yeah. Absolutely. Mate, that's that's kind of where we, we bring it to an end. Almost didn't yeah, want it to end. To we an could end, fucking man. talk forever. Oh, I love that it. has been the quickest two and a bit hours of my life. This yeah. was a hell of a lot of fun, man. This has been fucking great. Nah, boys, I appreciate you having me a lot. It's I've really enjoyed it. And like I said, I'm a fan of the podcast. So this has been a fucking pleasure for me to sit and talk football with a couple of absolute legends. Love Mate. it. Well, it means a lot, honestly, man. You've got a couple of minutes if you want to plug anything. Like, Where can people find you on socials? Or is there anything that you want to get out there in the last sort of the dying seconds of this podcast stoppage time yeah uh, yeah socials at Aunt Lacey on Instagram I don't use Twitter because I fucking hate it um, get me on Instagram if anyone does want any advice about anything about like crew stuff hit me up if I don't know I know people that will know um, good people no gatekeeping none of that bullshit um, look up Sleep Society check out what Sleeps are doing with this Patreon model and how it could potentially help your band or help you as a creative it's not solely for bands it's for people that are creative they are patreon as a as a place of doing great things um and check out my depop 88th minute if you're into buying and selling vintage and sustainable clothing that is what i do on the side when i'm not sending envelopes brilliant <laughs> sound lacy this has been fucking brilliant thank you so much for coming on no nah, it's been a pleasure boys i appreciate you having me